0: Trying to do an introduction. you Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Net Live. No introduction this time without DJ Roche. We just don't have the music. You will get it if you're getting it via iTunes. But We are live here in convention. Kevin Barnett sitting in on the mic right in the middle of the AVCA Volleyball Convention. If you haven't been to this convention, I don't think you really have had an opportunity to see the biggest and best that American volleyball has to offer. This convention, the amount of people here, the coaches, and the atmosphere is unrivaled anywhere else in the world of volleyball. Largest gathering of volleyball coaches in the world. Division One women's, of course, in conjunction with the Final Four at Louisville, Kentucky or Louisville, if you're swallowing your words the way they do here. So Louisville, Kentucky is the site. And we're having a lot of fun. This is going to be an interesting show. Always is an interesting show when we're here in the middle of convention and we're just pulling people in as they wander by. I think we're going to get some big names. We're going to get some some smaller names, some up-and-comers. It's always interesting. The executives are here. I'm looking across at, at Doug Beal having a conversation with a couple of guys. Uh, Kerry Kosterman sitting in. I believe there's a good discussion going on with Mizuno there, one of their sponsors. I can see Riley Salmon, who was recently signing autographs. I think he's over there doing a little appearance and taking pictures with the fans. There have been demonstrations from the likes of Lloyd Ball. Lindsey Berg was on hand. Of course, Lindsey Berg, the two-time silver medalist setter for the U.S. Women's National Team. She was on hand for a little while and signed autographs. Looks like she's going to sign a contract. We talked to her about her life after volleyball, but that hasn't happened yet. So we'll talk about Berg and, and what her plans are, where she is headed. I think if you've been following the, the Volleyverse, you've had an opportunity to hear about that uh, or rumor-wise anyhow. Big thanks to Spire Institute. We will have their intro, the proper intro on this show once it hits podcast. But thanks to them for supporting this program, the AVCA of course for having us out the support of this program, the ABCA College Volleyball Weekly, a big part of all of our shows. If you're following the world of volleyball, the big news last night had to be the Final Four, the semifinals going on last night here in Louisville at the KFC Yum Center. And yes, the food was pretty good in the sweets, in case you were wondering, it was not Taco Bell. It was a little bit better than that. And it wasn't KFC, although I wouldn't mind a little KFC. First match was Texas and Michigan. Texas and Michigan, I think a lot of people expected a blowout. They did not get a blowout out of that one. Michigan played extremely well, as they have throughout this entire tournament, and hung in there, provided a a whole bunch of excitement and five sets. That was 7 o'clock that that match started. So do a little math. On a five-set match. Anyone familiar with volleyball knows that's about 9.30. Eastern time. 9.30 finish. Half hour, 40 minutes between matches. A little after 10 o'clock, we had match number two, Penn State and Oregon kick off. So that one went four. And looking around at the fourth set, it all of a sudden was midnight. Midnight. And we were still sitting there watching some volleyball. Let me bring into the show right now. A guy you've heard before, back when he was at Mississippi State, good friend of mine, he's gone from Mississippi State as an assistant coach and found his way right back to Cal BAP, where he's now the head women's coach for Cal Baptist University, coming off completion of his first head coaching season. If he can figure out the headphones that Geeter broke a couple of weeks ago, he'll be in better shape. Brandon Higa. I think they're wacky, man. Hey, you can, you can pull that up a little bit if you want to adjust it, but it, you're kind of in a small space there, I know. Higa, welcome into the NetLive once again. We've appreciated your contributions before as part of uh, College Volleyball Weekly. I believe you used to appear on that back in the day.
1: Every now and again.
0: And we've certainly talked to you over the years. Last night's volleyball matches occurring at the times they did, 7 o'clock and 9.30. Now, Penn State coming from this East Coast time, their normal time, It was actually midnight at that fourth set for them. Oregon was in Nebraska on Midwest time for a little bit, of course, coming from Pacific Standard Time, and then went straight here. So they've been on Eastern Time a little while, but probably a little easier for
1: Oregon to stay up late and compete, no? I tell you what, I'm tired just from physically being at the match. (laughs) You and me both. Anyone who wants to, I've never watched a match that, that goes past midnight and, ending at 12.30, but I certainly think that has to be some sort of a factor. I mean, the one big thing is, you know, you talk about how hard it is to travel east uh, to go through three time zones and keep on you know, traveling back and forth, but it might be something that has definitely uh, factored in Oregon's favor. Uh, they're used to it. They're playing at a, a semi-normal time where Penn State is, you know, you're warming up, you're cooling down, and we have that stuff you have, kind of have to deal with, but uh, being having to be good at midnight, not ideal. No, unless it's midnight madness, and then you're not
0: really expected to be good. It's just sort of a kickoff. Definitely unique to be playing at midnight here. Reminds me of some of the international schedules where we would have matches sometimes at 10 a.m., sometimes at 10 o'clock
1: at night. You never knew which. Brutal. You know, the other thing is to be to have a match as important as the semifinals be contested where it could possibly go from. 10 p.m. To, to 1 a.m. time. It uh, doesn't necessarily seem right. You know, you kind of want the best volleyball to happen. But, hey, you know, ESPN's making the schedule, making the call. I don't know. Well, they got what they wanted last night, which was great volleyball.
0: Let's go back, work our way back to that Texas and Michigan match. A lot of people thought Texas was simply going to blow them out. Big left sides, Bailey Webster, Haley Eckerman, Haley and Bailey. They thought it was all about those two. But it turned out Michigan did kind of what they've done to everybody through this tournament, and that was just grind. They have good hitters, Lexi Irwin. They have some other good arms on the outside, in the middle. But, man, they dig some balls, and they frustrate the heck out of teams
1: that are more athletic and are used to getting kills. Well, you have to give it to Mark Rosen. I mean, the game plan that, that he laid out was, was executed really, really well. Um, I thought they did a great job of having their defenders in the right position to defend their outside hitters, and you kind of have to. You're looking at it, and you're like, "Well, Texas two outsides, they're hitting over the top of the block, kind of undisputed." Um, but Michigan's Michigan's defenders were in the right spot, um, so they were <laughs> able to dig their Linda, outside.
0: Linda Hampton Keith of ASU breaking your concentration with a little little booty action.
1: Yeah, that's it's, that's tough to fight through right there. Tough to remain professional at that point, but
0: Jen Fry of Elon stopping by. Jen Fry, you know what? Grab the mic for a second, Jen Fry. You don't even need headphones.
1: I need to hear what I'm saying.
0: Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt, Brandon, but this is how this show works, folks. This We are just we have people wandering by.
1: Just freestyling. Free
0: Jen Fry. On
2: the one to two. <clears throat> formerly
0: of Illinois, and I can't remember where you were the year before when I actually met you.
2: Washington State University.
0: Washington State, Pullman, lovely place. Been there a few times this year.
2: Yes, very much so. I went to
0: the Cineplex, enjoyed Looper after a match because the flight wasn't until 6 p.m. because there's only two flights out of there.
2: Don't tell people that. That's embarrassing for you.
0: Hey, it was a good movie. Okay. I was excited. It's... Okay, so you went to Illinois. Now this year, Elon. Yes. What is Elon?
2: It's a university.
0: Can you expand on Elon?
2: Oh, um, Division One university in the SoCon.
0: Okay. We
2: are the Phoenix.
0: We need to know who you are. Thank you, the Phoenix. The Phoenix. Okay. Like Harry Potter, Phoenix, like in the cage.
2: I've never watched. Those or uncaged. Movies. We are all uncaged. You should know that. <laughs>
1: what What's the plural of Phoenix? I
2: have a degree in psychology. I don't know that. <laughs>
0: so jen fry you you had a suggestion for me i'm here at the all-american banquet i come in to ask questions of the all-americans rather in lieu of speeches i ask them questions you had a suggestion for me can you can you tell the audience what your suggestion for me was last night while you had two bodyguards and were threatening to beat me up if i didn't do what you said
2: can i preface this with the question you were going to ask please do the question you're going to ask is...
0: Of Natalie Hagelin.
2: Of, of Natalie Hagelin was, if McHaley was a color, what color would he be? And why? And why, which I felt was an absolutely atrocious question. Okay. And so my suggestion was to ask, if Haley was an animal, what type of animal would he be? And why? And why? And it ended up being a reptile, which I think is very funny.
0: Now, I did switch the question at your behest, and you took a vote. It was a, a straw poll.
2: It was, it was. You knew what happened if you didn't answer. There was some voter
0: suppression with your muscle.
2: Yes, there was that was present. Yes, and there was a gun shown, but you know, that's neither (laughs) here nor there.
0: So I asked the question, did you enjoy the answer?
2: I think it was an amazing answer. I think it was way better than a color. Way better. I agree. Because I mean was he she was at like fuchsia. Or, you know, periwinkle. That wouldn't have been enjoyable.
0: No one even knows what color periwinkle is. That's it's a light blue of some kind.
2: Isn't it like a turquoise?
0: I thought it was a blue. Kevin, you know. You know what color periwinkle is. Well, I'm a, I'm a spring. You know, some people are autumn. I'm more of a spring. When I'm doing my makeup, I have some periwinkle in Isn't there. Isn't periwinkle wow. a
2: spring color, though?
0: I is it? Is it? I would that's just, what I'm saying. I'm more of a spring. You, I wouldn't have some periwinkle so on me. So that's why
2: you know what I would go
0: is. blue eyeshadow. You know, that would be me. Periwinkle eyeshadow. Wow. I don't
2: doubt that whatsoever. I can see you with that. You look good. It would bring out your eyes and your skin tone. Yes, white. Very. White is in Julianne Tate. Moore? That's all.
1: Well, Julianne Moore. Wait a minute. You just called me redhead?
2: I'm just saying white is the new black. FYI.
1: I'm actually kind of... Putting, really? I'm actually kind of putting two and two together with the spring color eyeshadow thing. Uh, once a year... A lot of people don't know, uh, Kevin Barnett gets the opportunity to star, to cross-dress and star in a theatrical production of The Nutcracker.
0: It has happened. Uh, up,
1: up there in Palace Verdes, um, and he keeps about 55 kids under his skirt.
3: Yes, uh, Mother
0: Ginger. I've played the role of Mother Ginger. Those that know real? The Nutcracker can look it up. I have not done it recently, but it has been done. You've... He's, he's cross-dressed and been on stage Yes, no, I, I my... have also cross-dressed for Halloween several times.
2: I feel like this is starting a trend so that it stops being Halloween. Next you're going to cross-dress for Kwanzaa, for Hanukkah, just for fun.
0: Maybe for this event.
2: I would thoroughly enjoy it. I can maybe have my bodyguards help you out with it.
0: I look good in long blonde hair, just so you know.
2: With your periwinkle eyeshadow.
0: Yes. Yes, periwinkle is key when you have long blonde.
2: I, I feel that way. I feel like periwinkle will look good my long blonde hair as
0: well. You're going to need some dye.
2: A bunch of dye. And I see
0: your hair under control today. It was full effect last night, and you were curling it with some Malibu.
2: Malibu curls everything. Malibu curls everything. An afro with a lot of hair to deal with. I don't think people fully understand. Stuff gets caught in there, like little kids, you know, little people. Everything gets caught in there.
0: It's hard to make an afro work. People think it just stays that way, but no, it's work.
2: Because I don't want to look like curl. was a carrot top, so I have to make sure that people understand it's a true, like, I want to be a true Diana Ross afro. Ooh, I'm, yeah. I'm going for the distance with it.
1: I like it. You know what, if anyone's making that work, it's you.
2: Oh, I'm definitely, I'm the bigger, the better I feel like. So that's what my hope is, is to have maybe some feet on my Afro. I'm having to duck indoors, all that type of stuff. Have it like half the Afro caught in the door when I'm, you know, driving, some of it stuck out.
1: (laughs) You have to go sideways through, through sliding doors and all that stuff.
2: Security actually already checks my Afro for guns and stuff like that.
1: All right, so Why? one of our
0: chat board listeners says, Elon's fighting Christians before they became the phoenix. Is that true?
2: That is true. The reason we were the phoenix is because the school burned down in about 1926, and then it was built up, and they say the Did phoenix... God
0: do that? Um, <laughs> I, I I'm sorry. Know. I didn't mean to interrupt your good story. Keep, continue. 1926.
2: And they had to rise up through the ashes, so they called them the fighting—so they, they were the fighting Christians, so now they're the phoenix.
0: So that's like how, it. yeah. Rising from the Ashes.
2: Yeah, so that's Very why nice. we're the Phoenix. It's a great story. It's All
0: right, tell us about your volleyball program in uh, 10 seconds or less.
2: We're amazing. Amazing staff, amazing players with great academics. What's that? I
0: love it. Elon, look it up.
2: Yes. Have Jen Fry,
0: come on the show again, please.
2: Anytime, anytime. Please. And he looks like Mayhem. So if anybody needs to look up Kevin Barnett, look up the Allstate commercial. He looks like Mayhem.
0: And, and Jen, next time you come on, we'll talk about your gnome.
2: And we'll, we'll talk about Norbert nom. the Gnome. Have okay. a great day. All
0: right. Jen Fry from Elon. We take, Linda are you just hanging around? All right. All right. We have Tara Crossbow coming up.
4: All
3: right.
4: How are we today? Linda
0: Hanson-Keith from ASU, welcome to the NetLive. Thank
3: you for having we me. We had
0: Jason Watson just a couple of weeks back yeah. to detail your season and how you guys just finished strong. We did. I mean, lots of teams want to finish the way you guys finished. What happened from the mid-season doldrums, from the darkness of the time change, to the glory of putting yourself in the tournament, not getting selected? You guys forced the selection committee to put you in.
4: We did. Um, and you're right, you know, October was a rough, I thought, time where we were on the road a lot. I thought um, some things really went. Uh, we we kind of, we went, we, we plowed through, and we connected, reconnected to what our vision was and what we were trying to do, what we wanted to accomplish, and we knew the whole time our mission was: we're making the tournament, we're going to the tournament. And um, so once November hit, we kind of re- rebooted, refreshed ourselves, and uh, had some great opportunities, the sweeping USC at home,
0: huge, pretty awesome, huge, and um,
4: and then you know continuing to fight through November, and then ending on that note, ending on that week where we went to Seattle and Washington, and Uh, And
0: then you won the duel in the desert. Oh, yeah. Crushed them. Arizona, who had uh, a really bad match up in Washington State. Right. And were really on the bubble, had to have it. Right. You stuck it to them, said, have a good Christmas.
4: Right. And I think it was just as we were going into that week, we, again, we just reconnected to that vision of we we knew we wanted to go to the tournament and we wanted to make that happen. And it kind of uh, happened organically. We were on the road. Uh, you know, and the Washington match, wasn't necessarily an easy match. We won, but it wasn't an easy win. It was that we were fighting the whole time. Uh, there, maybe even uh, coming from behind in two or three of the sets. Yeah. Um, and just sticking, just staying steady, staying steady through that and fighting through. And it was it was really a, a nice performance by our team. Okay. Being so young.
0: Tell us about next year, Macy Gardner. Mm-hmm. Going to be a sophomore, coming off an incredible freshman campaign. Right. Definitely freshman of the year material right too bad samantha Briceo is in the same conference she's pretty good yeah she's pretty good there's a lot of good freshmen in there stanford has oh five of them but tell me about your season next year erica wilson now done mm-hmm. senior who went from middle blocker to outside hitter got better through the year but you have a couple of things to replace
4: yeah well i think what's so exciting about where we're going is uh we, we're bringing three athletes in and in 13 two of those three will be in our gym in january
0: Oh, good. Yep. Early early, early arrivals.
4: Yeah, so they committed to uh, graduating early, which I think is a huge commitment and uh, a wonderful um, testament to them and their dedication to what they're trying to do for their collegiate career. And so they're graduating early, coming in January. They're going to be in the gym all semester. Uh, getting ready for our season. And so I think while we have obviously a huge gap to fill with Erica Wilson, she's a, you know, a senior, a leader on the team, uh, so athletic, so dynamic on the outside. But what we do have is uh, uh, one our outside hitter to coming in is playing here at the Under Armour All-American match. Which tonight,
0: is happening tonight. Which
4: is happening tonight. And so she's an outside hitter. Um, so she's got great experience, junior national team experience. So we, what we do have coming in is, a lot of great experience as you know we moved Erica from the middle to the outside and I thought that, um, and she was she did wonder I mean absolutely amazing and she did
0: she was great, fun to watch athletic yeah. I mean the passing's always going to be a struggle but she right. definitely transitioned well hitting one
4: she did and so I think what we're getting is a complete player who's a great all-around outside hitter um, maybe not quite as physical as Erica at times but but what a great volleyball IQ and cool. and then we have uh, another athlete coming in who's sixth floor, which we have some options to put her in the middle on the right. So we can start really uh, putting together a complete package on the floor. Um, and 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 still young. I mean, we started three freshmen, you know, and we're just still really young. So the future's bright. We're All excited.
0: Right. Before we let you go, I, I want to know with Jason Watson. I mean, here's a guy who, when I first met him, didn't know where he's from. I thought he's from the East Coast. I've kind of given him a little grief about his accent. Of course. He's an Australian right. guy, right? Yeah. Went to BYU, became Mormon.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Has a family. Lives in ASU now in the heat of the desert. Maybe that's affecting his voice. I don't know. Does he say things sometimes, and you have to ask what?
4: No, I speak. I speak Watsonisms.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, so Hughisms are also Watsonisms.
4: Yeah, there's definitely some Watsonisms, and so uh, I can. I, I, I Give get me a it. couple. Oh. Well, he, well, it's really funny when we talk schedule because then we might play on Saturday. Saturday? Yeah.
0: Oh, Saturday.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So,
4: um, you know, I usually have to tone the giggles down sometimes on that one, um, and so that's that's a good one. And and but more beyond his accent is really just some of the things you say, like just the things that come in under the breath. Yeah. And you know, I, I think what our common theme. Uh, this season, when things were starting to look a little rough, we—it was oh boy, oh boy—and <laughs> that's when thing, when oh boy, things are, things are starting to go, starting to go south. And so I, we knew when, it, when we started hearing oh boy, then we—it was we gotta get something going. <laughs> All right,
0: I like it. Yep. Thanks for sitting in.
1: No problem. Take All care. right,
0: good luck. Ego, where are you going? You look like you're taking off. No, I'm here. Okay, you're here. Just kind,
1: of, just kind of doing the job here.
0: We have another individual stepping up to the mic. Uh, you can sit down, and we can we can pry that thing down for you. If you can stand, if you want. Uh, I can sit. You can sit. It's up to you. Please, please state your name. Your uh, your accolades, please for for the listeners. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> it's 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 a long show. We yeah, have time.
1: I was gonna say the show might not be long enough for that. Sorry. We have time. Just the abbreviated version. another hyphenated name i don't
0: you did you start this trend or is that going on before no. you cuz i don't mind except from the announcer perspective it's tough when i have to say six names leading, i mean it's not ben bodipo membo whatever the heck ben has in his name but <laughs> tear cross <laughs> battle flows a little better than like daniel Scottahuda.
3: <laughs> that's true <laughs> you know there's
0: some that flow better than others and then i then i start to see all of a sudden uh new ones popping up as as the ladies get married during their uh, career. Park. Yeah. Yeah, that becomes a problem.
5: I might, have, I might have started that a little bit. Okay. But everybody always says I have a cool volleyball name, so.
0: Yeah. Well, your name was cool anyway. Terra Cross, is, that's a cool name anyway. Then you add battle.
5: <laughs> like,
0: I mean, let's take something awesome and add some force to it.
5: I always say I have to give part of the credit to my husband.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. He is,
5: he is the battle, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Terra Cross Battle, thanks for sitting in here. Please. Give people an update. We've done some Where Are They Now with other former national team athletes. Where are you now?
5: I am currently in Houston, Texas, um, which is my birthplace, even though I grew up in California. Um, I'm coaching at Houston Juniors Volleyball Club, and I coach – I'm one of the head trainers there, but I also coach the uh, top 16 age group, so sophomore.
0: And you've been at this for a while?
5: I've been – doing club since 2004, but right after I retired from playing, I started
0: coaching club. What do you think has changed about the club scene from 2004 to today? Because I I look at women's collegiate volleyball, which I've spent more time with in the last, say, three years uh, on this show and coming to these events, and I look at the level just continuing to climb. I mean, from 2004 to today, it would just seem there's been an enormous climb in the kids' abilities at club.
5: Uh, Definitely, and they're getting bigger and bigger every time they step into the gym, Um, I was just, we just had a tournament this past weekend, and I walk in thinking that I'm looking at, you know, a bunch of 16-year-olds, and they were actually 14. Oh, man. (laughs) You know, eighth graders and and freshmen in high school, and I'm, it's just, it's crazy. And the athletic ability, obviously, is is, uh, better now. Um, I wish sometimes there was a little more intensity in in the uh, gym as far as, you know when when I played which was a long time ago but when I played club and even in college the intensity was was high and yeah. you pretty much either do your job or you're, you're gonna get your butt kicked and you ca- you kind of have to treat these young ladies a little differently now so why
0: is that is that because the the base of club has expanded so you don't have just the die hard athletes who really want to get out there and dominate and, and destroy the game and play the game? You also have kids that are there for other reasons and a member of the club for other reasons. Well, giving effort and being a part of the club, but that's not necessarily their focus.
5: Yeah, I think I think part of it, especially in Houston, is that there's so many clubs, you know, and it's kind of watered down where I think in other um, states and, and cities where they don't have as many clubs, so, you know, you have to be pretty darn good, you know, to be on their top team or their top two teams, whereas especially in the city of Houston, which I didn't even know. There was so many, like, little there's, – there's a few big clubs, big, well-known clubs, but there's also a lot of smaller clubs. And, you know, if, if they don't like the team that they were chosen to be on, you know, maybe they, they go to another club. And the, I'm finding out that it's the big thing is status Okay. instead of training. And it
0: ebbs and flows with the status who's had success here or there, who has what coach?
5: Um, What's the status
0: based
3: on?
5: Well, I mean, just the far as far as being on a, I'm I'm on a top team, you know, I'm on oh. I'm on the the top team at this club versus I'm on the third team,
0: you know. So you can't make the top team at one club because you're not good enough. You go to the next club that you can be on their top team. Yes,
2: yeah, correct.
0: correct. So that becomes a proliferation of clubs. It does. For kids to play. Yeah.
5: And it's it's kind of sad. I always I always try to explain to them some of them, you know that. Because we take pride in, in our training, where we're at, um, that I explain to them, well, do you want the training or do you want the the
0: so-called status? Why are you um, here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this, because we, we wonder about the fandom or the fan base for women's volleyball in general. I mean, the national team, of course, excellent, best team in the world the last four years, uh, silver medal in 08 that led into what was an amazing four years and another silver medal this past year. There's that at the national team level. The growth that I've seen here at this event and the amount of people here and the level of play and the teams and so on, how much do the club kids really know about collegiate volleyball? How many players do they know? How many national team athletes do they know? Are they fans, not just participants?
5: Um, I kind of question that, too, because... I can
0: understand they don't know who I am, yeah, do they know who you are, no. yeah, well, I mean, well, you played on the team ten years ago, eight years ago, was your last year, eight years ago, was your last year, yeah, so that's not ancient
1: history,
3: not if you're sixteen, quite it might be, <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, are you um, still
1: getting cred from the the sixteen and fifteen year olds that roll in your gym and do they know they're playing with like a legend of the sport they're they're learning from that? Is there a VCR with
0: a loop going of highlights? No. There, oh. gotta, there's there's got to be an no answer that, right? Because there's no, no DVDs.
3: <laughs> there's no
0: digital of me. There's no DVDs of you.
5: No, <laughs> it's not. Um, no, a lot of them don't really know who I am, you know, unless, you know, the parent, you know, I, I get the I Googled you a whole lot, you know. Yeah. When, they, when they find out that I was an Olympian, they'll, oh, I Googled you. You know, and I get that a lot. Um, my surprise is when they don't know who, like Logan Tom is. That's when I go. Right. You don't know who Logan Tom is. You know, I can understand you not knowing who I am, but you don't know who Logan Tom is, or you know, Taiba or Stacy. Some of them know who Stacy are, but just because you know Stacy's from Texas and went to A and M and all that, so they. they
0: and Destiny but, has that same connection.
5: Yeah. You know, but. Um, I get a lot of more of the the coaches who coach club. You know, i walk through the convention center at a tournament, and, you know, you, it's usually a coach who will come up to me and say they've they're always been a fan of mine. Or
0: Okay, so you're in the club scene. Why is convention a place you want to be? What are you getting out of this? What are you hoping to get out of coming to convention each year? I mean, other than the accolades of people walking up and saying, hey, you were awesome. No. <laughs> <come> <laughs>
5: Um, well, part of it is just to, you know, see a lot of people I haven't seen in a while, but also, you know, I'm still, I'm still growing as a coach. Um, I've had success in the club, but I still feel like there's a lot of, of coaching that I'm, I still need to work on and just to go in, like I was just in a, in a classroom, they were going over the big, you know, which is cool. I would love to do that with, with my girls, um, and just other aspects, other sessions that I want to kind of go in and, and see if, if I learn anything. You know, last year, even though I played for Brian Jim at Long Beach, he did a session on defense, and, you know, I picked up a couple of things just from that. And, um, I mean, it was, it was a big deja vu for me as far as training goes. But, yeah. you know, I picked up some new things from that that I um, applied to teaching the girls how to play defense. Yeah, you know, so I'm always I always want to learn. I always want to be you know try to be the best that I can be. And now that it's, I'm not playing, um, I want to be you know the best coach that I can be for these young ladies.
0: Very good. Well, congratulations on successfully transitioning out of being a national team athlete into <laughs> uh, into the volleyball world in another capacity. And but, thanks for sitting down with us. Oh
5: no problem. It's easier than I thought.
0: I'll see you later. I'm, glad I'm not
5: one of those all Americans answering those
0: questions. Yeah, they, were, they, were, they did a good job, though. I thought <laughs> you never know what you're getting out of the kids. There were some kids with some good answers. Yeah. You, were,
1: you were pretty light on them this year. You last, think so? Last year you kind of put the screws to them. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, you didn't. It didn't seem like they were totally getting ambushed this year. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's a good way to go. I think it's a good way to go. Natalie Haglund from USC, the libero. She the she set the precedent last
0: year that she would respond to kind of a silly question. <laughs> Because I asked her last year if she would do an impression of Mick Haley, and she's a sophomore at the time, and busted it out, did a Mick Haley impression. So this year she got that other question, and she she took it, and I, she was a little slow with it. I was a little worried, and then she just went, I'm like, yes.
1: Just, she kind of gave a little, she turned to the crowd and started addressing the crowd. Here we go. Yeah,
3: she has a lot of personality.
1: I think we could actually turn that into like a head coach roast. I, th- I think that if we just stuck with that format, that would be incredible. <laughs> yeah, because because you know they're doing it in the back of the the back of the bus, like half halfway through the season, we so asked, they got all that stuff down.
0: We asked Ariel Scott if, if she was on Real World, which is her favorite show on MTV. Who would she want to have in the house with her? She picked Russ Rose. This I want to see. <laughs> I want to see Russ in his Russness in that house. That would be awesome. You know who else would be good? Brian Gimellaro. He Brian, would be excellent in the real world.
5: That would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if I want to be in the house with that, but I think it'd be interesting.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. Terra Cross Battle, thank you.
5: Oh, you're welcome.
0: Thank you for sitting in. Bronze medal? Bronze medal. 96?
5: 90- 92? 92.
0: 92. 92. Right. Four times. Four times. Wow. Good for you. The knees still work?
5: Ah, oh, well. <laughs> I can walk. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Good.
3: Thanks, Kevin.
0: All right. Thanks, there. You're welcome. Terra Cross Battle sitting in. This is uh, Convention 2012, live from Louisville, Louisville Kentucky. Have people walking around. I, I see my brother over here. He might make an appearance on the show. He's looking for a job. So we're going to have him work on his best elevator presentation. 15 seconds to hire Keith Barnett. Let's see if we can get him employed. And uh, and see if that can happen. So that's part of it. Oh, I see Steve Lindecky, uh wandering around. Steve, will you sit down for a minute? We're just live on the air. No big deal. Yeah, right here. Teres head out. How do you score one of those? Pick up your size. I'll write it off. There's there's all I think all three sizes there. Pick whatever you want. Dan Mickle, longtime fan of the show. Welcome. Convention, good to see you again. Here you'll be out on the sand courts later giving a demonstration. Uh, so we got Terra Cross Battle. She's transitioning here talking to Steve Lindecki. We're going to have him here in just a second. And uh, Brandon, appreciate you corralling some people. This is a nice little bit of Mizuno gear. i got to go
1: see if I can get one of these. Uh, well,. Mizzou has been kind enough to uh, be a sponsor of California Baptist University, and we have a great partnership with them, and they hook us up. Good plug. Wait oh, yeah, absolutely. Wait
0: yeah, just keep going through those, There's, uh I think we have small, medium, and large. Or maybe, maybe we only have medium, large, extra large, but medium's probably... They're good. They run kind of small. I think so. Try it on.
3: Yeah.
0: We don't have a NetLive booth for you to use. All right, well, welcome to the show once again, first time in a long time, uh, Steve Lindecki, Elevation Group, yes? Yes, sir. So, and Elevation Group, the, the owners and operators of what was the Corona Wide Open became the Wide Open and then was just not open, uh, unfortunately, and, and, this past year. So, give us a lowdown.
6: Well, and just to add to that, it was a Wide Open, and we had the U.S. Open was our championship event. Yes. And it was actually started two years before the Wide Open. And then the wide open came along and made that event even bigger and better. And the Elevation Group also runs a 25-city USA Beach Junior Tour. Okay. Which is still in operation and going strong. We have about 100 teams playing in each of 25 markets, so we're proud of that. But uh, what was your question again? Actually, where did you leave off? I'm sorry. <laughs> I,
0: I just wanted you to detail for our audience. You and I ran into each other yesterday. Yes. and. and we wondered for a while what happened to that wide-open tour. We were expecting that to be a part of the volleyball scene this year uh, and give our listeners an idea of why
6: that didn't happen this year. Well, you've referenced our uh, strategy with running the wide-open as being about running a business, yeah. and I appreciate you recognizing it that way. Uh, our title sponsor who we loved and respected and worked very hard for was uh... crown imports the distributors of of corona and corona light and their chief marketing officer and their executives there have a business to run and strategize and so forth so after three years of what was a successful run as we measured the return on the investment and so forth they made their decision Unfortunately for us, late in the calendar year, in in about it was right around like December fifteenth or sixteenth of two thousand eleven that they were not going to renew. Uh their chief marketing officer, like I said, all due respect, he has to make decisions for the company and he decided that he'd rather spend those dollars in a different way. The timing's bad. Timing might not have been as considered as you would have liked. And so I remember that there were about there were two uh official sponsors that we had lined up so we thought we were going in the right direction but when you lose your title sponsor if you're putting together a sponsorship package when you have your title you can plan on that that core value that you're going to provide and then you can add in official sponsors and so you've got returns uh, uh economies of scale and other things that you can do and i'm not explaining this super well but i'm trying to be brief uh when you lose your title sponsor you lose the ability to do all that so you essentially lose your official sponsors as well um try to hold on to them try to keep but it just it was it was impossible to get ourselves organized and move forward again in 2012 what is the view
0: of beach volleyball from a standpoint of trying to sell those sponsorships trying to bring those sponsorship dollars in how receptive Are people today to the environment that Beach Volleyball's had over the last few years.
6: Well, you've just asked me the question that I find myself answering more often than any just in the time being here in this building. Um, What are you doing next year? Uh, We haven't given up on the idea of the wide open. I, I think it's a pretty well branded property after only three years, 2009, 10, and 11 that we ran it, and my answer is I, I, I almost wonder if I should be wasting my time and energy. As one of the two primary business developers at the Elevation Group, how much time do you put into something to answer your question? There's an enormous amount of clutter. Yeah. I have communicated those thoughts to my um, colleagues-slash-competitors in the space. It, It's... uh. I don't know how else. it's it's a mess I think. Uh I um everybody knows my relationship with James Lights cuz I'm a, a former IMG myself. I haven't been there for 17 years and I know I've known Alby for a long time. I've met and spent time with Donald. I certainly know Dave Williams very very well. And now Leonard Armado has a proposal out there that he's working on with Ben Sterner so That's a lot of stuff for companies to digest, and they're not digesting it very well.
0: What is the ideal situation to clean this up? Can you have two operators in the same space? Do you have to have one? How much space is there, do you believe? And and it seems like there's different levels that people can be at, and it seems like a different discussion to talk about premier versus developmental.
6: You're absolutely right. Um, Take, for example, the seaside tournament that we run, which I can't believe I failed to mention a few minutes ago. Uh, that's a unique event. It's a, it's a gem of a tournament. The participation is,
7: is I,
6: I think, overwhelming. I can't believe how it continues to grow. I, uh, I'm not sure whether I should pat myself on the back or whether something else is at play there. I really don't know why it's growing so well, although, that we, although we work hard to promote it. So that's a gem of event. To your point, there's something interesting. It stands by itself. Can there be other events that stand by itself? Well, Leon Fell has proven, of course, that he has an event that stands by itself and has done very, very well for decades. Um, with the mother load in Exactly, yes, like the mother load in Aspen. I'm sorry, yes. And uh, but but I do when when faced with conversations about the promoter model versus a a, a, a tour that runs on for you know multi, multi-city tour of 8, 10 or however many. I'm not a believer in the promoter model as it's used, which seems to be getting drawn from the tennis world where you have a completely independent operator running that tournament. He sells his sponsorship and so forth and so on. I think in part it works for tennis because the tennis... Marketplace, the industry around it is much larger than ours.
0: There's in a lot more product. money involved right. and a lot bigger brands right. Mercedes Benz, Bulova, Rolex. I mean, the, the, the right. dollar citizen, it's right. unbelievable. Banks. Banks. How about yeah.
6: banks that, that, that sponsor yeah. independent Bar- how about, Barrios, or right. how about Car dealers. Yeah. That kind of stuff is, is happening. That's not to say that it can't happen in volleyball. And I believe, I don't want to make a mistake here, I believe that that kind of model was practiced by the AVP, but the AVP was still uh, uh, being a, a very thick umbrella, thick as in the thickness of its sponsors mm-hmm. that were that were in place to start the season or going from year to year. And then the promoters dropped in. The promoters were regional helpers, but to band together independent ex- uh, uh, events with different promoters and think that the sports gonna grow at this juncture I I just don't I just don't believe that that's way to go I think that it needs to be more cohesive so that a sponsor is being provided a greater potential return on their investment against what just facts are the facts of today they can't they're not gonna pay much They, they can only afford to pay so much against what they're gonna get as a return and to me that steers towards ideally one major tour with a smart feeder tour helping it and they're connected and they're strategically working together. So the proposals that I've circulated, the conversations that I've had with the gentleman that I mentioned earlier all were geared towards that. How do we work together? And at that point, at the point in time that I was presenting that, we were in the catbird seat because I knew that it was just going to get worse if we were, regardless of the fact that we had the tour of nine events at the time and there wasn't really anything else going on. The AVP. Had had its troubles and it disappeared um, at the end of that year. It wasn't, uh, it just, it just got to be, it's got to be, there might be a lot more teamwork involved with this than there is right now.
0: I was talking to Steve Lindecki of the Elevation Group, whose group uh, ran the Corona Wide Open Tour for a number of years and the Wide Open Tour for a number of years. And Steve, you, you work across other brands and other entities and other sports. Are there lessons to be learned from any other space that you operate in that you think could be useful? In the promotion of volleyball. Well, where else do you work? I guess is another good thing to, to let people know.
6: Well, we do a lot in NASCAR. Um, we handle. Um, we're part of the team that uh, works on anheuser Bush's Budweiser sponsorship. We work with M and Mars, and I worked with them for a long time, and great relationships with both of those companies. But so we're so we're in NASCAR, and and you know each of those tracks. Obviously, they're promoting the race, and there's a promoter model, but you can see to the point that we were making before that, uh, that NASCAR has its very impressive group of sponsors that are NASCAR sponsors, and then the tracks are, of course, afforded rights. And as you made the observation before, though, it's about how much money is there and how you can carve up the property and offer something of value. So when a track has its signage, and of course yeah. an overwhelming amount of signage, whether the track's a half mile round or two and a half miles round, you've got a lot to sell them. The television people working with those tracks and the and NASCAR have come up with ways to split that up. And then you've got the cars. So the, the lesson in that case, there's so much, call it real estate, to sell. It's easier to carve up the pie when it's a big pie. Right. And I think that takes us back to a better understanding, so now answering your question, understanding why we have to apply certain um, strategies and not apply other strategies because we understand what the differences are from sport to sport. That's being smart. That's, that's really being sophisticated about what you're doing. Um, but right now... It's just uh it's a little scary to have to have a conversation with the companies that have received the proposals from everybody. Yeah. You know, unless you've got a really good relationship with somebody and they trust you and they believe that you're going to make your event stand out in comparison to the rest of them, it's hard to do. Do you think that this will shake out this year
0: or next year? I mean, when this when this collapsed I and mean, the AVP went out of business in 2010, I thought it would take 3 years. We're going to be going into this third year and my impression has been that IMG has not had the results they want. I think I would guess after this year they're either in or out. I would guess with NVL they're either in or out after this year. From your observation point, do you think that that that's accurate? When do you see players leaving the space and clarifying perhaps what's possible?
6: Well, I'll toe the line on that one just out of respect for the fact that what their business is their business. It's not mine. I can't know exactly what their P&Ls look like. I'll agree with your speculation though. That would seem to make sense. That would seem to be a reasonable guess. But I am not at all familiar with what the NVL has to work with and their resources. I am familiar, of course, with the way IMG does business, but I'm not intimately familiar with the terms of their relationships with their great sponsor, a legendary brand like Cuervo. Um, uh, How about
0: your business then? Will your business be back this
6: this particular summer? No, the the wide open won't be coming back. I'm saying that because odds are, it's very unlikely that at this date we're going to get a different response from the companies that we're talking to in comparison to the responses that I had so I'm projecting our position for this year just as you guessed as to what um, I'm not saying no absolutely not I just it just doesn't feel like it okay well I'm sorry to hear that thank you <laughs> I appreciate that <laughs> I I I hear that sentiment a lot it makes me feel good as it relates to what our team yeah. it was a big team effort from the, from the Corona folks to the Oakley folks that were involved with this. Uh, I'm sure you know this. Spalding, of course, has been a big part of it, and Bill Berger uh, has been an advisor on a lot of things. I mean, we, uh, we um, wide open, came to represent something. I, that doesn't happen very often in three years. So that was, that was neat. Whether we can find the opportunity, hopefully in the near future, to perpetuate that is a, is a different question.
0: Steve Lindecki, I know you've been involved in the sport a long time. Thanks for your, your honest opinions, your informed and educated opinions about the, the business side of, of what's happening. You, you're in the midst of what appears to be a success in the women's indoor side of things, at, at least. This, this side of the sport looks pretty good. The the women's indoor collegiate side looks good. We'll see if the rest can sort itself
6: out. Yeah, that would be very nice. Very nice. Thanks for, very thanks good. for having me. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate
0: it. Steve Lindecki, The Elevation Group. Former operators of uh, the Wide Open, or current potential operators of the Wide Open. You heard Steve say, not coming back this year, but uh, still a desire to have it come back. Again, here, uh, AVCA Convention in Louisville. We are in the Convention Center, uh, just down from the Marriott. Everything's very well connected here. It's a fantastic little piece of uh, real estate for this event because the KFC Yum Center is about two blocks away, and the program here is: there's an opening night party for the convention that happens on Wednesday evening. And then on Thursday, all day, there are, there are convention exhibitions going on in the marketplace, but also all kinds of different educational opportunities. If you are a coach, you need to come to this event because there are educational opportunities here that exist nowhere else. You can hear from Russ Rose, Hugh McCutcheon, uh, Doug Beal you can hear from all the big people in the sport, the college coaches, John Cook, uh, Mike Ebert, formerly of Minnesota, today's coaches and yesterday's coaches explaining not how they had success or what they did necessarily, but the, the way that they had success, the way that they trained everybody, the, the way that they... Uh, create success in their programs. That's what uh, what you want to hear, and that's the stuff you can hear uh, here at convention from all the experts. That's what you want. So, take the opportunity to come to convention. Take the opportunity to come to convention to learn, to mingle, to to be a part of everything that the sport has to offer. Look, magazines, shoe sponsors, clothing sponsors, headbands. I mean, there's everything here. Lloyd Ball coming down doing demonstrations with his father. Ball sponsorships. It's just an amazing meeting. So if you get an opportunity to come to this event, please do. Semifinals were last night. Tonight is the Under Armour All-American game. Uh, Selection of high school All-Americans who get an opportunity to come and play. It will be well attended, no doubt, by coaches. And then Saturday night, the final, of course, happening. That also will be on ESPN. And should be a fantastic one. If somebody's going to win their first national title, Texas... Or Oregon is going home with it and Oregon defeated Penn State. We didn't get to really dissect in the matches, but we have a Penn State alum, our own Jay Hossick here. Hello. How you doing?
8: I'm good. Yeah, we're going four, by the way. Four,
3: uh, or, or. Jay good? Jay last night.
0: <laughs> last night it's one one. First match. Jay has sort of been paying attention, as a lot of us do during that because there's a lot of sort people. Of. There's food, there's drink. And there's lots of people you know. There were drinks there last night? Jay looks up. It's 1-1. One, one. Jay does not know that. No. Something happens exciting down the stretch of set number three. And Jay goes, we're going for. we We're going
8: four, guys. Yes. Uh, I take responsibility for not knowing. Uh, I do not take responsibility for anything that was given to me earlier. Uh, you, you know, the, the reality was this. Uh, it, was a, it was a hard-fought match. Uh, by us. I don't think we played as well as we could have. I think Oregon played phenomenally well. They did what they've been doing all season long, which is uh, good ball control, running fast to the pins, uh, and keeping you know, defenses in check by not being a one-dimensional team. And I think we struggled with that. Uh, that's my take on it. Uh, by no means am I telling you what the staff tells me,
0: but this is what I saw and what I believe to be true. That's why I picked Oregon, because I think Oregon can be a lot of different things. And I picked Oregon from the start because I'd seen them a lot this year. I knew a lot about them. But they can be a lot of different things. They can, they can kill you on the right one time. They can kill you in the middle of the next match. Then yeah. the next match, they can come back and kill you on the left. Yeah, There's just a lot of opportunity for them to be good when things go bad. And I think if you look at a team like Texas, they're one-dimensional. Their one-dimension is awesome. What they do is <laughs> unbelievable. But you know what you're getting. When you face them, you can put up a scouting report, and whether you can stop it or not or execute your own report against them and come up with a game plan, you know what you're facing. Oregon, not necessarily. I have come up with a game plan
8: for Oregon uh, against Texas. Oh, yeah. When they're blocking. Yeah, and and Jay's volleyball knowledge Feel free, uh, Jim Moore, to steal this. Don't block. Just have six defenders. That's Jim Minji's approach. Exactly. And put helmets on and dig some balls. Now, is it going to (laughs) work? What kind of helmet? A hard helmet? A flag football soft helmet? What are we talking about? There is a famous Manhattan six-man team that wear... They're called Team Helmet, actually. None of them block during the matches. They all wear different helmets. There are Viking helmets, football helmets, uh, baseball batting helmets. Everybody wears a different form of helmet. And all they do is dig all day long. Now... Against everybody else on that team, you're going to want to go block and slow some things down. However, when the one hitter consistently hits over the top of you, rather than waste two defenders, why not put them in a digging spot and be able to pick some balls up? That's my thought.
0: One of those digging spots, I think, is going to have to be the 8-foot line if you're not going to block. Sure. And that will require a helmet, probably full face mask football. But there's not there's no law against that,
8: is there? Because didn't some people, the right cow... Yeah, they had a helmet on that team. That was more of a bicycle
0: helmet, no face mask.
8: Well, I, I think it was a more of a boxing helmet because it was protecting the brain.
0: But uh,
1: you know, I mean, it's the, the, not... there aren't rules against equipment. I mean, no. people are having like wristbands helping pass. Yeah, um, you can you can do all kinds of things. You can do all kinds of things. I think, I think you just took it to the next level. See Nebraska <laughs> full on umpire. umpire I am. Yeah, exactly.
0: Is it Hannah Worth with the the hair up? Headband, goggles. Is oh, that yeah. Her? They, they call her uh, the Calvin and Hobbs.
8: Uh, the I forgot what the, the characters is in the Calvin Hobbs. That girl is phenomenal, by the way. She's going to be a good player. Is she for, a
0: babysitter? Is that I, who it is? I'm not sure who the it Calvin is. But it might Hobbs. be. It might be. It might be. What
8: have you guys been talking about all day? What's going on over here?
0: Well, we just finished up with Steve Lindecki, Elevation Group. We yep. had uh, Terra Cross Battle. Nice. In here. Nice. We had a couple of coaches stop by. We had Linda Hampton Keith of ASU. And uh, Elon's own uh, Jen Fry. Elon. Nice. Very nicely done. We see Riley Salmon, a uh, oh. little, little thing called Olympic gold medalist. He might know something about it. He's wandering it. around. We'll we'll boot Higa out for a second. We'll keep okay. you for a moment. All right. Higa, can you go track down a couple more folks? I'm going to go get some wings. Is that cool? Yeah, do that. <laughs> and, and, and track down some people, too. Track down some folks. As a, a gentleman sits down, who, if you follow international volleyball... You followed his career. He has actually been cut six times. Six? Six. <laughs> but it's never stuck. It's never stuck. He's, he's come back every time stronger, better, and this time, better. We'll better. Riley, Riley Salmon. Welcome to the Net Live. Thank you, sir. Gold medalist in 2008. Retired now. Father of two. Yeah? Simi- how's How's Simi- life?
9: Semi-retired. Gonna semi-retired. Gonna Still make... looking
0: at contracts.
9: No, no. Oh. Completely retired from the indoor. Going okay. make... gonna... to gonna make a beach appearance this summer. Okay? you got
0: to get a little closer to the mic. Gonna... You've got to be on top gonna... of it. Going gonna... to make a beach appearance. Lips right huh? next to it. There we go. now even closer. Better? That All right, boy. we can turn you ah, up a little bit. Let's give, give you, I think that's just you. We'll give you a little more volume. There we go. Yeah, uh, going to try to make some AVP
9: appearances. Um, just looking for a partner.
0: All right, tell me about the transition from being a professional indoor player to no longer being a professional indoor player. Kind of a
9: weird thing to wake up in the morning and not have practice. It is. um, Luckily for me, I have two great kids that I now get to take care of, take to school, pick them up every day, um, drop them off in the morning. But that initial first uh, two or three months was quite mind-boggling. You know, you've been told to do something for 15 years, uh, show up at a spot, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> At an hour, you wake up uh, and you don't have to do that anymore. It's, it's, uh, it'll make you, it'll make your eyes
0: open. You competed right to the end to make another Olympic squad. It would have been your third uh, opportunity in 2012. It came down to kind of you and uh, Paul Lotman. head coach Alan Knight, decided to go with Lottman. We never got an opportunity to follow up with you on this show about how that process was handled and, and your thoughts at the time. I know now it's probably a little bit different. You've had time to reflect on it, but take us through what happened as you guys were competing to join that team for London.
9: Well, um, you know, to, first of all, congratulations to Paul because, he, you know, he, he earned his spot. I don't think it was given to him by any means. Uh, he, he busted his butt every day in practice, and, you know, he was just at a little bit more firepower than I had um, is what I was told. Uh, the way it went down, you know, I, you know me, I competed as hard as I could, and I gave every single bit of effort that I had. Um, at one point, I think even in the middle of the season, middle of the summer, I was uh, scheduled to start start again, you know, which I hadn't started in about two years. So um, I got myself back. Um, unfortunately, my back just would not hold up, and um, Coach Knight thought that it, I would be a liability to the team, and he thought that it would be. Um, a, a better fit for Paul Lottman to go. And that was his choice. And uh, of course, I support, uh, support USA Volleyball and everything they do. And um, that's how it went down, though.
0: Can you give us an evaluation of the four years? The Coach Knight era of the four years?
9: Well, USA uh, Volleyball took a step backwards. Uh, that simple. You know, I'm not sure whose fault it was. Knight, me not leading, not having Hoff there any longer. Um, but the, the program definitely took a step backwards.
0: What about going forward? What do you think about – I know you guys watch, whether it's Loy or Tom or you or me. I know that alumni of the national team watch the national team and have opinions on where it's going. What needs to happen now for that team?
9: Well, they've got to get an identity. You know, we, they don't have one right now. Um,
0: well, they don't have a coach either, so that's one problem. <laughs>
9: yeah, that, that would probably help a lot to get um, a highly respected coach, I think, and, and uh, would bring a lot of recognition back to the men's team. Um, in my opinion, somebody like Roy Ball would be an excellent fit if he was to put his name in. Um, but the, the team is way too soft. You know, they, they dance around the locker room. They're not intense in practice. Way... Way too much slack was given to them, and someone needs to come in and bring the hammer. And I think if that's brought down correctly, um, of course, USA can always be um, on top of the podium again. Do you
0: have a coach
9: out there, somebody you think
0: could be in charge, could be the right person to redirect that locker room?
9: I do. Myself. <laughs> yeah? Absolutely. I absolutely think I could. Um, I think, but with the. Generation gap and me being too close to some of the players, I don't think it would be um, a probability. Um, But I like the the way that, you know, myself, Tom Hoff, Kevin Barnett approach the game and the intensity that we bring to the locker room. And that has to be brought back. Uh, That's what was missing. And that needs to be brought back in order for the team to be successful again. I like it. I laugh
0: only because of that. That problem of being too close and and i remember being in the gym and running some practices and stuff and it, it all worked out fine i was just kind of the sub but i thought I, I could not be the head of this thing at this time i think we're approaching a time when for me at least since i stepped away earlier than you did where i feel like hey, i am far enough away where i could rejoin so maybe four years time from now is that a time when you could step in
9: to that role you know, I I spoke with Doug Beal, um, and he suggested that I took a two-year um, break from the USA national team and try my own endeavors. Try coaching at a very, I say, basic in the in a in a sense that a club volleyball level. See if um, I could if I enjoyed doing it as much as I that I think I would enjoy doing it. The job of coaching. Yes, sir. The job of coaching. Um, it's it's something that i really want to do i'm very very passionate about it as you know and yeah in four years time i'd love to i'd love to have my name in consideration for the usa national team job
0: i like the sounds of that now so tell us about what you're doing now and some of that transition you're involved with a club i saw you over here meeting with mizuno you have some things going And you're carrying around that gold medal, which that's a good conversation starter.
9: Yes, sir. You know, and uh, fortunately for me, it gets me into a lot of doors where a lot of other individuals maybe could not get into. Um, But I've been fortunate enough to partner up with a a lady by the name of Michelle Goswick, and we are starting our own company called RS10 Consulting. And basically what it has several, several jobs that we do, Um, mainly in my aspect, I I love teaching kids to play volleyball. So that's what I do on, um, on a daily basis, private lessons, consulting. I hope to get my name out to where I can get to some universities that want to bring me in as a consultant and to, um, for me to come in and bring my new school philosophy, pass the ball, play defense, play fast. Um, I'm seeing now that a lot, of the, a lot of coaches and a lot of people are just interested in the big hitter, you know, and as you know. That's uh, not the way that I play, and that's one aspect of it. That's low-hanging fruit for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And the, 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 uh, <laughs> the second part of the business is I've partnered up with uh, ZAMPS, which is an injury prevention company.
0: Right, they sponsored this program a few years ago.
9: Yes, sir. And we are now currently trying to get into all of the high schools, universities in Texas. And what I do is I go in and I do some motivational speaking, and then I express to them the importance of taking care of your body. And one of the ways to do that is to, uh, be, to have a lot of injury prevention products. And basically I'm selling them now. Okay, in the club
0: scene, we were talking to Tara Crossbattle earlier. She's been out of the game eight years. You've been out of the game about, what, eight months, if that, at this point. Yes, sir. Uh, but I wonder, what, what is your name recognition level in club volleyball?
9: Yeah, do kids know who you are? They are learning who I am. Um, but they don't know right away. No, sir. They, they don't. You know, they, they, they see the gold medal and then they ask me where I, where I got that.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> At the pawn
9: shop right, down the road. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I'm hoping to make my, my uh, appearance just the way I did playing. You know, I coach, I, I coach like I play. I really believe in the stuff that I tell the kids. I respect them. And, you know, and I expect them to give me 100% every day.
0: Now, you're not the usual story. We're talking to Riley Salmon, former member of the national team, of course, 2008 gold medalist and a two-time Olympian who, uh, who was on the, the national team for the last four years or three of the last four years, if that's maybe a, a bit more accurate. Uh, but your career, for those that don't know, we, we've talked about it before. You went to junior college. Then you went to kind of being a volleyball ve- a vagabond, winning tournaments, doing some other odd jobs out of the game for a while. Yes, sir. Went and played professionally, which is a a strange turn of events, and a good one. Right. And got drawn out of the professional ranks to the national team around 2001. 2000? 2001, no? 2001.
9: 2001, 2001, right after the
0: 2000 games. And had an opportunity to join the national team at that point. Everyone looked at him and said he can't. Jump high enough, he can't hit the ball hard enough, he doesn't have a good enough arm. As a matter of fact, I think I was cut the first day. His hands are too small. (laughs) He smells like cabbage. We can't have any of that on this team. And yet, Olympics in 2004, Olympics in 2008, and not only Olympics in 2008, starting, dominating against Russia in 2008. That's the match I always end up thinking about. And, and having a, a long career in the game. Why is it people continue to underestimate you? And why won't they cut it out? Yeah,
9: I, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm learning, though. You, you, you just got to keep pushing, man. You know, I mean, you got to earn people's respect. They just, people just don't understand. And whenever someone tells me that I can't do something, that obviously makes me want to do it more. And you know, I think that's the way I was brought up from my parents. They taught me I could do anything that I wanted to. Um, as long as I put my mind to it and put the proper work ethic into it. Um, you know, And I hope that they're not going to underestimate me in business because I'm coming out for, for everything here. I want, I want it all. For, for
8: those of you that are not aware of Riley and, and his style of play, I, I'll break it down a little bit. I only feel I've got this, this knowledge because I watched you for literally four years in the gym every day. But if you try to block Riley... I liken it to trying to catch a jellyfish being thrown at you. It's one of those things where your hands are in the right spots, your arms are up and over and ceiling penetrating, and somehow the ball rattles around and chisels off you, rattles inside the arms. It's literally almost impossible to stop that kind of a shot. And you're not hitting it a ton every time. You're putting different spin on the ball. You're hitting it at different contact points. You're hitting different tempos in terms of your swing. There's a lot of components that you bring into that, and I would suspect that a lot of that comes from your days on the beach when you were younger, you, were learning how, you weren't as big as everybody else. Also, you were trained, as Kevin was, and as actually I think uh, Brandon was, but at Pierce. When you guys were playing and Big Daddy was coaching, you guys were learning from one of the all-time greats in the game how to be successful
9: without having to be the big hitter, which is why you're advocating that now, if I'm not correct. You're absolutely correct, Jay. You know, um, hitting in my book has always been an important part of the game. Um, but it's also the most um, I don't know over overrated overrated thank you hey over- that was the only thing I was good at come on <laughs> no, you were you were a lot better than that at a lot of other things you know hitting is great but the team aspect is what I learned from Pierce and that I learned from Big Daddy and that I learned from guys like Kevin like Tom Hobb. Um, I think I was in my opinion the best teammate that I could ever be and that was what I try to do every single day in the gym and I try to push that to the girls that I'm teaching now not only the 18s that I'm teaching but also the other 300 that I'm overseeing and I and I firmly believe that if you can be the best teammate to your teammates it's much better than being a 6'10 250 pounds outside hitter well hey maybe don't not. say
0: bad things about Clay I'm not <laughs> I, I want to say that Riley Sound was responsible for me having to be a better volleyball player because you mentioned trying to block him, and I was playing a little bit opposite, and opposite kind of the lazy man's position. You know, look, I can block, I can hit, not I can nice serve. to Mike
8: make fun to clear like that. Kelly.
0: Listen, I, I can I can play that position. I thought maybe I could just play that position and be happy, but they had me blocking on the right, and I got to face this guy every day in practice, and I'm already not a good right side blocker, and then you put Riley over there, and I just looked silly. So they had to move me back over to the left, and I had to better my passing. So thank you, Riley. I had to get my passing better because of you.
9: Well, that's, well, you were the best player in 2004 in our Olympic team, so you did something right. Thank you, Riley. Hey, there's a lot of bro hugs going on right
3: now. <laughs>
0: we don't see each other enough. It's only a big event like this. Well, hey, Riley, thanks for stopping by. Thank thanks you for very sitting
3: much, it. Good luck.
0: Where can people check you out?
9: RS10consulting.com.
0: RS10consulting.com. If you have a business to do in the Houston I mean Houston area. Houston. Houston, we made fun of Riley because we went to Houston, we were playing there, it's his hometown, and he got lost. What? we like, you're not even from here.
9: Oh, we're Riley. going to a restaurant, I didn't know, it was a new area. You're from Houston. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, thank
9: you very much, and Reed Pretty, take care if you're listening, bud. All right. Riley Salmon, thanks, dude. Thanks for sitting in.
0: Jay and I are going to keep it up here at, nice. uh, at convention. It's kind of a free-flow opportunity because we are in the middle of the coaches' zone. This is the volleyball marketplace. Huge convention arena. Yes. Huge convention area, and uh, and we are just doing the program right in the middle. And we have people we've talked to about coming on. George Mulry, executive director of the Volleyball Hall of Fame, going to be by. Yeah, extra large. You might you might try large on, but probably extra large. Uh, George Mulry, going to be on here uh, just shortly. Nice. So th- this is where you have an unbelievable meeting of not just coaches, not just coaches. Right. But people in the volleyball space, yes,
8: it is. It's one of those places where uh, the coaches are, are, is one small aspect of this whole event. This event is a celebration of the sport that uh, not, I, I don't think there's actually a lot of other sports that do stuff like this throughout the country. I know that there are some smaller little niche sports that do, but... This is one of those rare chances where you get to hobnob with some of the coaches in the country, but you also get to learn from some of the best coaches in the country. You get to see people that were once great players that are now uh, coaching or maybe running a company. Uh, you know, all these great vendors that are in this room, they're all, you know, connected to some way. So this is a really neat opportunity for you to be involved at a deeper level in this
0: game. Yeah, and there's a lot of different levels. To be on you know, there, there are several different levels to be on, whether it be coaching, club, division one, NAIA, Division two, men. men's, women's, women's. Yeah. then there's all the people that work for the different companies that yeah. support the vendors. Data projects right across from us, Data volley, Mizuno, Moulton, Sport court. I mean these are just the ones I can see from where I'm sitting. I'm missing a bunch of volleyball magazines. Zen. I don't even know what Zen is. I got to go. Bottom
8: volleyballs, infinity shoes for girls. I mean, it, and I think the 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 main market that is really starting to prove itself to be the driving force is clothing and, and shoes. It's it, shoes has been there for always, but clothing is really starting to branch out a little bit. And and, I think that's it.
0: And bravo to the the manufacturers that are coming here, and they have different. I'm sick of the yeah. same old
10: uniform. Yeah. Get
0: rid of the collar. Thank goodness that's gone. Yeah. Put some colors in it. Put some cool stuff on it. The NCAA rule about the Libero is stupid. Make it a cool shirt. Okay? Are you are you advocating for neon coming back? Hey, it, yeah, bring it back. Shock or whatever they call it now at Nike. <laughs> Shocked. is that look, what it's called now look at my shoes whoa yeah. dude, do
8: batteries come
0: with that when you buy those yeah exactly wow even my kids like them i'm cool wow. man Wow! kudos to those that are bringing some style elements into this game absolutely. and not letting it be the same old boring stuff absolutely now we're going to talk about old and volleyball let's have george mulry sit down here because he is uh, executive director is that your appropriate title Executive Director of the Volleyball Hall of Fame. Located, for those that don't know, in Holyoke, Massachusetts. You got it. Birthplace of volleyball. William G. Morgan, a contemporary of James Naismith, who invented basketball in Springfield nearby. Yeah. William G. Morgan. We've had you on the show before to talk about the Hall of Fame. This year, you guys put in yet another class. And this was... We're getting into players that people, fans of my age, have seen play. Yeah, well, this year's class was a very, good, a very
11: good mix of kind of old and new. And so you had Georgi Manjalevsky and Ludmilla Buldakova, so they kind of represent the old guard. And then you get Mauricio Lima, Mike Dodd, Jeff Stork, um, Peter Blanger. It's just an incredible, incredible mix of kind of old volleyball and new volleyball. So the contemporary people are great because we're finally inducting somebody that people might recognize and know, um, and it
0: is, that helps go a long way with us promoting things. Peter Blanger stole a European championship from me, taken, although forcefully, 3-0, pretty convincingly, back in uh, 1999. I don't think anybody steals anything from you when it's 3-0, Kevin. Well, I mean, look, it's, I've said before there are two matches in my life that if we played ten times, I might win once. That's one of them. Was that again? Was the other one against UC Santa
8: Cruz back in the day? Uh,
0: no, I won that match. No, it was not. No, the uh, the other match was the semifinals of the Olympics in 2004 against Brazil. Brazil was unbelievable from start to finish. But this match against Sicily Treviso Is Sicily Treviso and Peter Blanger with Dimitri Fomin at opposite Russian? You may or may not remember Andrea Gardini. Uh, let's see, Gardini Gravina in the middle. Let's see. Uh, outside's Poppy Samuel Poppy, who just appeared in his fourth Olympics. You may or may not recognize that name from the Italian national team. And then the opposite, who was oh, I, or pardon me, the outside hitter, who was oh, I don't know, co-player of the century. Anyone know? No. Co-player of the century with Karch. Oh, it could be Lorenzo Bernardi. Bernardi, thank you. That's a pretty decent team. No, he had it. There's no cricket. We need that though frequently. <laughs>
11: I, I finally chimed in. I,
0: you set it up there on the tee. I hit it off. It was perfect. Yeah, you went with the buzzer. Sounded off. But <laughs> I mean, that, that, that was an incredible team. A, a, a great selection of talent. Now, George, I know you took over this position two years ago. Yeah. And you're looking to make some changes to the Hall of Fame, to the induction ceremony, to the way that it's presented, because this is not just a Hall of Fame for the United States as it started. This is a Hall of Fame for the world of volleyball in the birthplace of volleyball what are some of the changes and some of the directions that you want to take the hall of fame and its business right well you
11: hit it absolutely on the head this is the volleyball hall of fame for the world and in order for us to really capture that we need to take the hall of fame
0: to the people um nobody by the really, people for the people
3: You got it.
11: That's exactly it. Nobody is going to make a trip to Holyoke, Massachusetts on their vacation to come visit the Volleyball Hall of Fame. So we need to go to them, go where the people are, like the ABCA convention, like national tournaments, and like international events. And so our goal in five, ten years is to truly make it an International Volleyball Hall of Fame. We need international board members. We need international support. And it kind of is starting right now. So we're making the small steps here to... um, To just get the message out there. Let people know we exist. It's amazing how many people are stopping by the booth and just saying, you know, is this the the ABCA Hall of Fame? Who do you induct? How does it work? And just have no clue. Some of them don't even know that volleyball was invented here in the United States. So just trying to educate people and get the the message out there that we exist and we want to do more um, to showcase the history. and and just get it out to the people.
8: Is is the FIVB joining on board with uh, promoting you guys and giving you some airplay and and, and mentioning what's going on with you? They have in the past.
0: A Uh, little bit might be a good answer. Right, yeah.
8: Yeah, it's a complicated
11: answer. Um, The short answer right now is no, but in the past they absolutely have. Their funding was the reason that I was able to be hired two years ago. Um, So they understood the importance of having somebody there doing the day-to-day things um, I'm currently the only full-time employee there, and I have two part-time people that work about nine hours a week. So we need to do more to get better, but this is absolutely a start. And um, once we kind of get things settled here at home base, then we can take it out to the world, get that FIVB support, the Federation support,
8: and make things happen. Awesome. And, and, and two part-time employees. I mean, that's, when, you're, when you're splitting that kind of duty amongst those people and taking away even more time, I find it really hard for there to be any kind of continuity. I mean, you're, you're running the show by yourself.
11: That, no, that's exactly it. We have a terrific board of directors, and that's the only reason that we get stuff done. Um, we kind of come up with these great ideas, and they say, George, go do it, and we'll support you. And uh, they've been behind me
8: 100%. Have, and, there, uh, have, have there been any other Hall of Fames that have wanted to help out? I mean, it, obviously, you've got basketball and baseball and football that are, you know, got their respective uh, Hall of Fame areas. Have they joined on board and said, hey, well, we'd like to give you some, some insight as to some challenges you'll face? Here's what we did to get bigger and better. I mean, granted, we don't have the the Scott, the size and the scope of those big three sports, but we have the passion and the drive to make something like it wonderful. So have they offered any guidance? Yeah. The
11: Basketball Hall of Fame has been terrific. We have a great relationship with them. Because they're in town,
8: correct? They're, they? well,
11: yeah, they're 10 minutes away. Yeah. So they're in the next town over, and they've really kind of shown us what an induction can be like. Um, they just pump in hundreds of thousands of dollars into their events. And granted, they have a bigger money pool that they're working with. I mean, they're tied in with the NBA and all these people, but they're showing here's what can be done if you do things the right way and you go after the right audience. Um, So we take a lot away from them and it's really difficult to compare ourselves to them because volleyball is not basketball. And it's really hard for people to wrap their head around that, especially in, in the New England area where they know about the Volleyball Hall of Fame. The,
8: the unfortunate thing is, is, is you're correct in the States. Out of the States and the rest of the world, volleyball is the second largest sport behind soccer. And, that, and I think that blows a lot of people's minds. They don't understand the size and the, the, the energy and the passion that's created by this sport around the world. If anybody's ever been to a, to a match outside of the United States and seeing just how rabid the fans can get, it's bigger and more, uh, more involved than any Super Bowl match I've ever been to, to any major playoff game for any major sport. It is unbelievable how these fans buy into their teams. And there's songs being sung, and there's, you know, it's, it's all prideful. It's really, really fun. So I, I wish you know, we can get some bigger stuff out here, but you make a good point. It's, we're, we're not that big yet, so we've got to learn how to do it right. Right, and that's exactly it. I mean, so the fact that we are the International Hall of Fame and we don't have that
11: international support yet uh, means that we're not doing something right. Yeah. So I think we need to really look at what we're doing here and, and evolve from where we are now to get where we want to be. Um, there's just no way around it. So the time's now, and um, so we get tremendous support from USA Volleyball, and, and that absolutely helps. But we need that, that international push and the push from, from local companies and uh, national companies.
8: Well, I I would suffice to say that I probably speak for everybody in our sport that we thank you for the job you're doing and and super stoked that somebody is taking this job and and putting their energy and time into it because a lot of people say they'd like to do these things, but when it comes down to crunch time, it's really, really
0: tough to do.
11: Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It is absolutely a dream job. it's just terrific, so I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: All right, George Mulray, Executive Director of the Volleyball Hall of Fame. If you want to check out the Hall of Fame, give them the website. org. That is it. org. <laughs> Get on there, check it out. You guys do your induction ceremony in October.
11: Yep, so a new one. class
0: will be announced sometime in the summer, right? Yep, late
11: absolutely. summer? Yeah, it'll be um, probably sometime around March. Uh, we should have everything kind of picked out. And then uh, middle of October, probably
0: October 18th, Have our next induction.
8: Has has Barney's name come up on the list of uh, applicants or people that are being looked at? I will look
0: forward to inducting myself. It will be interesting.
8: (laughs)
11: Absolutely. Yeah, there was a big push last time I called in. Um, I think I think Eater was on that train too. Yeah. So we're working on it. Anything I can do, you know, I will.
0: Allow myself to introduce myself. Awesome to the Hall of Fame. Awesome. Very good. George Mulry, Executive Director. Thanks thanks very much.
3: Thank you guys. Thank you, George.
0: Hanging out here at convention. Always a good time. Oh yeah, I, I I keep looking for people wandering by. The sessions are full right now. All three courts going.
8: Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, it's what's fun about coming here as a coach, and and I, the seminars are not necessarily what I'm here for. Only, but well, you're I here got, to host this show. I mean, I, that's one of the reasons you're here. That's a huge reason why I'm here. But I got yesterday, I got asked to be a demo player for the sand beach courts demos that were going on, which was i awesome. heard about this. Was awesome. And today, I got asked by Katie Holloway last night.
0: Katie Holloway, sitting team star,
8: two-time uh, player of the year, yep. female player. I got asked to play on the sit-in volleyball match, the sit-down national team volleyball match tonight. So When is that? A- after this, I'm going to go straight to a court. It's at 530, I believe, somewhere in here. Can I play? I, you want to play? If we find Katie, I'm sure we can get you on the team. I think First, I
0: brought some shorts.
8: If you, I don't even think you need shorts, to be honest with you, but I think we should get you on the team. It's a, Anybody out there who has not seen sitting volleyball... It's one of those things. It's one of those things where you, you look at it and you go, "Well, how does this work? How do they do this?" And when you watch it being played, it is a whole new level of this sport. It is absolutely phenomenal to watch. We had the Wounded Warrior Project play at Penn State once after a match this year, and the people stuck around to watch it. And it was exciting. It was fast. It was fun to watch. And you know what? It's it's another avenue that this sport creates. I don't think you see that in any other sports where there are, uh, you know, five or six different disciplines, and this is one of them. So a lot of fun. Kevin, I'll, I'll see. I may know some people. I can maybe pull a string or two. Maybe I'll get you on the court if you're uh,
0: if you're willing and able at 530. Uh, able, if it doesn't involve knees, yes. Willing? <laughs> uh, yes, that sounds good. Uh, we just had a gentleman sit down. We had him on a couple of weeks ago on the, the first ABCA Coaches Corner.
8: Oh, probably probably the most
0: well-dressed coach now, in the room at the on. moment. You've got an extra battery on here, and, <laughs> and you still are out of power on your iPhone. you Mophie, get got the Mophie going. Mophie. I got
7: the Mophie, but the bottom broke. I dropped it, and now it's done. Uh, ben Bodipo Of Cal. Looking welcome. sharp. What's Thank with you. the suit, yeah, man? you're not interviewing him. You don't, you? You no, don't sit no, no, in no. a suit very often. <laughs> you're right. But see, my, my head coach doesn't let me wear a suit during the season, so I kind of got jealous and figured this is the time that I could do it. A lot of
0: people would not be bummed out about not being allowed to wear a suit during the season.
7: Went to the All-American Banquet and uh, decided to class it up a little bit and then haven't been back to the room.
0: All right. Recap for us. All-American Banquet. Opportunity to see some of the All-Americans, talk to a lot of coaches. Not too much going on. It's a nice meal and they've cut the program down, it seems.
7: Yeah. um, Actually, uh, I haven't been back to the convention for the last couple of years. It's my first time in a couple of years, so I actually missed the time when you got to sit down at the couch and really have. Yeah, yeah, six foot three girls in three inch skirts
0: sitting on a couch. That's not a good on a raised <laughs> platform. That was True. not a good idea.
7: It's a family True. show. True, but uh, no, I thought it was pretty smooth. But yeah, I kind of scaled down a little bit. But um, uh, those girls. I mean, congrats to all the winners and, and all they've achieved. They. Some of them were just, like, scared deer and headlights. I mean, they did not want to talk up there. But, no, I thought it was uh, well-run. We've talked about this before
0: on the show, uh, about how this sport, I think, sells the female athlete beautifully. Right. Right. Just beautifully. And there's no better example than when you look up and they have on the stage first, second, third team All-American. Yep. All of them all the way across the stage. Not only are these women collecting Three to five kills per set at their respective levels, or 65 to 85 assists per match, right?
10: But they're good-looking women.
0: This is a group of talented, beautiful, articulate right. women. And it's a great display of what's really being put out there by this sport. It's impressive.
7: No, I agree. I think it actually it starts early on also. You see through the club level that they're, they're really organized, managing their time, because they're especially uh, the club season, they're, they're playing so much, and they're traveling to Chicago, and they're traveling to Vegas, and they got homework to do and all that, and they're, they're on top of that. You're right. It's a great display. Of, and, uh,
8: and it's not a slam to say that they're attractive women. No. It's not a sexist remark. So for know. all the people out there that get upset when they hear yeah. about these things, it, it's, it's frustrating to us coaches because – it's it's who they are.
0: It's okay. Yeah, exactly. It's not a bad thing. Yeah,
7: no, no. It's, it, I agree with you completely. Uh, so
0: Ben, you said you haven't been to convention in a couple of years,
7: uh-oh. but you're back. I'm back. What I'm is not it just you back,
0: get? What is it you get out of convention?
7: Well, obviously there's the camaraderie to, to bond with uh, other coaches and, and ads and, and players that you might have coached or played against or or coached with, um, and just seeing them and um, obviously learning. I mean, you're never gonna I mean anything you do, you gotta keep learning and getting to hear uh, great speakers like Terry Liskevich and, and uh, or learn new things from up and comers like Shannon uh, L Miss had a great talk of, about uh utilizing um, university athletes, et cetera. But yeah, the camaraderie, getting all the coaches together in one area where you're not worried about, you know, planning for the next day to be competing or whatever, yeah. yeah. Um but giving back to the sport. I mean, we've all been fortunate to be involved in this thing for a long time and just to see how it's grown with the with the sponsors, Mizuno, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's a cool display of, of, of volleyball. Uh, if you love volleyball, this is the place to be. And, yeah.
0: How open are these coaches with their strategy? Are you getting everything or are people holding <laughs> back?
7: Yeah, I know. It's one of those. You know, <laughs> you know what? Actually, every year it seems like they're – opening up a little more, of course people are kind of keeping things in their pocket, but I mean you still got to pass the ball, you got to set the ball, you got to hit the ball, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, and I, and that's one of the things I love stealing from other coaches and I love giving it back, I'm one of those like, call it borrowing, they might borrowing. be more open Sorry. to it Yeah. <laughs> there you go. but I, I think it's uh, I would like to see more, I would like to see people just sharing more, and, and uh, you know, I understand, you know, some people want to keep things uh, to the, close to their chest but you know, you still have to be able to do the skills. You know? Sure. You know, I could take something from Jay, and and if I don't have the players to to be able to uh, execute, man. yeah, that's it's a that's a comment that
8: we hear a lot, which is, you know,
7: when when
8: uh, let's say Hugh McCutcheon is doing a demo. The, the first words out of his mouth are: "This is what works in our gym." Right. right. Whether or not right. this works for you is completely dependent upon your athletes and what you can do. You but have to decide. Here's an idea. Here's a thought. Run with it as far as you can. And and there are, there are some ideas that are not so good. Right. But there are some ideas that are really really good. And you look at and you look at all of it. And you dissect it. And maybe you take one small thing yeah, back exactly. home, and it's that one thing that you wrap around. You wrap around for that year, and that's awesome.
7: And it's trial and error. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, I, I've seen so many coaches, especially young coaches, kind of get frustrated. You know, they try to the swing block, and then they're getting chiseled down the line. Oh, we got to go stand out on the line. It's like they hit one shot. there. <laughs> yeah,
3: relax. You know, be about the process. Yeah, exactly. yeah. We can't
7: get swing blocking yet, or we can't, you know, pass at an angle yet. To keep going. Yeah, keep going. live yeah. in the
8: moment.
0: Remember the process. The process.
8: Such a strong word that should be used by more people. Yeah, you're
0: right. All right, well, don't let us keep you here. Go show that suit off, man. <laughs> you, <laughs> yes. you look this good. People yes. need to see this. I mean, I, I'll try to describe it.
8: It's, uh, it's an olive green suit. Not double breasted, but yeah. single breasted. Olive tan. It's more of a desert. It's it's nice. It's a sand dune color, I guess, is a good way. To... Yeah. A baby blue. Uh, this is white is a daring shirt.
0: shirt, a Volcom shirt, it looks like. Daring?
8: No, no? no not
7: Volcom. Those are little uh,
0: Volcom type symbols, but. It is. Okay. And he's got a,
8: a leaves these, maybe. These tan loafers. I mean, matching socks. I mean, that guy is just. So 20, sure. so this is, is what loafers. happens when you move to a BCS school. You get the opportunity. <laughs> oh, yeah. You get the budget. You get
0: the budget. <laughs> I get it all the time, so I'm giving it back out. You, haven't, you haven't been to the loft parties he's been throwing up there in Berkeley. You know, he's got like the top-level... You've seen big, like that's his apartment. You know, he's just got <laughs> this top level of an old building and just does whatever he wants. I love
8: I Berkeley. Walnut Creek is such a neat place to be.
0: That whole area is just fabulous. So. Back home, good, good for you, for huh? you Ben.
7: You worked hard to get there.
0: All right, thank you very much. Ben Budipa Memba. Wait, give All it
7: right. you I, I, I still need the full name every time you're on here. <laughs> uh, Benjamin remember, Bala Peke Budipa Memba. Yes, I can't uh,
8: do it, but I love it. I would 35. like to buy a vowel. I'd like to thirty-five the letters. <laughs> thirty-five letters. Wow, that's well done.
0: All right. Very good. All right. Thanks boys. for sitting have in. fun. Appreciate
8: no it. Great to see you guys. Yes. Hey, Kevin, got yeah. some good news for you, my friend. Yeah. Uh, saw somebody that uh, we were just talking about earlier. I may have uh, slipped you into the match at 530 at the sitting court. Not Sam. Oh, I've done 530. Oh, well, that's right at the end, though. I won't even have time
0: to change. No, no, listen. You don't need.
8: You, I Somebody thought you find you my brother. To I, well, these are Your tight jeans. Your brother's right there in front of me. I actually These can are see tight them.
0: jeans. Yeah, these are tight jeans, hey, and I'm going to need a Are you of telling clothes. me
8: that you're going to fit into his jeans?
0: No, I'm going to send him back for my shorts. Oh, uh,
8: yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we should have video of this, too, actually. Uh, Barney and myself on the sitting team facing the
0: women's national team sitting team. We want to make sure that we thank USA Volleyball. Yes. Thank you. AVCA. Yes. Thank you. Ben Budipamemba. K- uh, say it the whole thing. No. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Yes, Ben. Thank you. Ben. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Jen Fry, Steve Lindecki. Those that have appeared on the show here so far. We have much more to come. We of course want to make sure we thank Spire Institute for supporting the show, being the main sponsor of our show, Volleyball Magazine for making this happen. I saw. Aubrey Everett of Volleyball Magazine, the editor, uh, walking by. would love to talk to her. We are getting an opportunity. She's wandering around. Lots of people now. Sessions starting to change and people moving around. We're going to have yep. Katie Holloway here in just a second. but yep. it's, it's right after we have a 15-second elevator presentation <laughs> from a uh, first-time uh, appearance. I don't know if he's a first-time long-time. I don't know if he even listens. But he's uh, got a good purple shirt on. He's looking for a job. It's oh, uh, my younger brother, Keith Barnett. Welcome to the Live. I'm okay with the pastels, yeah, it's good. yeah, I like it. you comfortable? In the I style. wish that I had rocked Pink in high school. I wish I had that much courage. It turns out it was the keys to the kingdom, and I didn't know. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the
8: fabulous pants.
0: So Keith Barnett uh, was a head coach at UCCS the last few years. He's now looking for an opportunity in Division One, perhaps as an assistant coach, actually, definitely as an assistant coach, opportunity to learn. Give us, Keith Barnett, your 15 second presentation. Why do I want you on my staff? Why do I want you in my gym every day? Hit it.
9: Uh, because I like to learn, and I think that
0: I have a lot to contribute in multiple positions having played so many. And, uh, yeah, I just I, I want to figure this whole thing out. Okay, we have eight seconds left. How many positions did you play? Uh, I played opposite, outside, and center. Okay, so you can train all three of those positions? I believe so. It just kind of depends on what the head coach wants to do and i'll say yes okay how about recruiting can you recruit players can you speak to players on their level have you ever run a camp
9: yes several
0: okay your own camps yeah other camps you've been involved
6: uh several
0: okay so you're comfortable with the recruits you got to put that in there too you got it i can do the recruiting
6: yeah i can do the recruiting
0: Uh, you know again i look good in purple according to my brother so i I think that you know that's part of recruiting look good in purple jay schools with purple mascot uh lsu NYU. nyu nyu okay Washington. Washington. You look good in that purple. That's a nice purple. Jim McLaughlin. uh, Minnesota Vikings. We're talking about volleyball here. He's not not going to coach the defensive backs up in Minnesota. I know. Okay. That's That's all all I
8: can think of. Oh, and uh, uh, University of Louisiana, New Orleans. It's New Orleans University, I think, or something. What's the mascot?
0: I want to say the Pirates, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Look at that knowledge. All right. So, Keith Barnett, this is your first time ever that you've been to convention. Yes. Impressions so far two days in. Two uh, and a half days in. Tons to learn and uh, lots of things to go to, and, and you have to kind of uh, allocate your time wisely. It's, it's really impressive to see this many coaches here. Okay. Different things that, that you've been to, presentations, people you've spoken with. Yes. Who? Well, I mean, watching Terry Laskevich was pretty neat. So, he, you know, if you get a chance to learn from a guy like that, uh, you know, and hear what he has to say, you got to take it with a grain of salt. As a young coach a guy who played at a high level and then went straight into coaching, do you feel like this environment has a tremendous amount to offer you? Always. I mean, uh, he said learn every day and I mean, that's, you know, that's what you're here for. All right. So the job hunt, it's going well? I don't know. I'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) To be determined. Yes. Okay. To be determined, the job hunt. Keith Barnett, thanks for coming on the net live. We we wish you the best of luck. It's a nice purple shirt. Hey, thanks. And I do listen. Looks about my size? (laughs)
12: I might <laughs> borrow that later Uh-oh.
0: Yeah. Uh-oh. You know, you, you tried to borrow my pants earlier this morning But hey, those don't fit Hey. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa hey, oh, This is is a little inside baseball This is a family show <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Keith Barnett looking uh, for employment Former head coach, UCCS, 18 and 11 this year Thank you Had a good season Thanks So, Kevin, I
8: heard a joke the other day And you'll appreciate this I'm changing the volleyball realm
0: I'll, I'll wait until
8: just a moment Because it's important But uh, we are Watching currently all of the coaches around the room shifting, going to the next seminar, the next demo, uh, coaches looking at the, the job board, uh, coaches talking to vendors. And This is just one of those neat moments in the whole convention where uh, you, you can hobnob with the top and the best of this game, and it doesn't happen all the time. So it's a really, really neat moment. So here's my joke. Buddy of mine, and, and this, is, this is the real part of the story, a buddy of mine is a Philadelphia Eagles fan as well, uh, yeah, Die diehard. Uh, and he wrote, Jason Hilbert, this is you, by the way, uh, he wrote on his Facebook post this morning, when I die, I would like the Philadelphia Eagles to be my pole bears so that they can let me down one last time. Oh, that's awesome. Brutal. That, that is Jason awesome. Hilbert. Thank you for that little
0: nugget. That was good. Somebody updated the score for me last night. It was 10-10 in the first quarter. I was like, okay, <sighs> you know, it's all right. We're, we're just playing for, for pride at this point anyway. And then it was 34-13. Ouch. Ugh. Ouch. Philly, help me
8: out. <laughs> Ridiculous. Got somebody special sitting between us. Why don't you do an introduction for once? Huh. Well, I, I just met her last night, actually. Okay, uh, so you should be qualified. I, I don't know if it's going to be a geeteresque esque uh, intro, uh, but she is. I hope we have any music for She her is either. a former basketball a player for Geeter's alma mater, Cal State Northridge. Uh, she also plays on the national sitting team. Uh, two-time female athlete of the year. Am I, am I correct in that one? Yeah. Yeah. And and currently is working in Northern California. She is doing uh some charity, not charity work, because that makes it sound like it. But she's doing work for an organization that we're gonna hear about volunteering, perhaps. Volunteering, maybe. But uh an, an all around great woman. Uh Katie Holly, how are you?
13: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You gotta get a little oh, closer. This is how these mics it's work. Okay. It's all
8: right, don't all be right.
13: shy. <laughs> I'm doing well, how are you?
8: We we are doing wonderful and enjoying this place. So Tell us about this organization that you're uh, that you're working for. I know I want to get to the volleyball stuff, but let's talk about this place you're doing work for.
13: Um, I actually just accepted a position at the Palo Alto VA in Northern California, and what I'll be doing is working with the veterans, getting them connected back into the community after they've been injured, um, whether it's PTSD or an actual physical disability. So,
8: and and for those people out there that are listening that don't understand why you would be involved in something like that, tell us a little bit more about why.
13: Um, when I was playing basketball and growing up, I didn't identify with my own disability as a uh, right leg below the knee amputee. And so I learned to hide it and be sheltered and not accept my disability. And that became a disability to me. And so when I became a part of the sitting volleyball team and um, became a part of this world, I, it was very therapeutic to me. And that is the field I'm in is recreational therapy. And so that is what I pursued in school. And that is by trade, what I am, a recreational therapist. So I utilize recreation and leisure to rehabilitate someone with a disability. Wow. And and no
8: better person to do it than somebody who lives it themselves.
0: Kate, I remember the first time we were getting acquainted on the air, and I was doing a little research on you, and it was you had been recruited to play basketball in college, and they had no clue that you were an amputee. No idea.
13: Yeah. Uh, a couple of the schools that um, came and did home visits, um, we made sure to ask them, my parents and myself, um, you know, do you know that I have a prosthetic leg? And a couple of them, <laughs> yes. it's a different conversation, you know. They, they, a couple of them said yes and a couple of them said no. And, you know, we told them how it happened and I said, I don't, act, I don't expect you to treat me any different than anybody else. Um, some coaches decided to back off at that point, which, you know, I, I respect that. That's fine. You know, if if that's not the route you want to choose for your team, then that's fine. So um, I actually don't regret a day going to Northridge. Uh, I know all the Northridge people out there. I love to hear that. Peter is probably
0: somewhere <laughs> proud right now.
8: He's yeah, somewhere his his
0: arm just went up in the air. He was very excited <laughs> about that. The but the reason is, I mean, I, I watch you walk by, and I know who you are, and I know you you have a fake foot. Right. But I can't tell. I mean, you walk by, go, that's Katie. But you'd never, ever know.
13: And I've honestly spent my whole life trying to make sure that no one knew. You oh, know? you've been trying
0: to pass? You've been passing? You yeah. use a term from, from the old uh, black-white days of the 60s, passing. Yes. You know? Yes.
13: Yeah. And so I do a pretty good job. I've, I've had a, a couple years practice. I mean, I was born with my disability and then amputated at 20 months. So I was fit with a prosthetic and, and have uh, known nothing different. So... Um, I'm very lucky to have a good gait, and um, uh, you know
0: a good gait, in other words, yeah. a walk, right? Yeah. yeah. Just so our listeners understand. Wow, yeah. that's peppered on education at work right there.
13: <laughs> so
0: you were uh, over there, like what, at the front door?
13: <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not going to admit to that.
13: So uh, a lot of people with a, an amputation, sometimes they're above the knee amputations. You can tell because they don't have a knee, so their walk is a little, a little different. So
0: okay, I think we talked to you about the kind of prosthetics last time we talked to you. I. I would still be looking for, like, something with some carbon fiber, some Terminator-looking legs. I mean, that I've seen those. Those look interesting to me just from a technology standpoint.
13: Yeah. The, um, I actually now have three different legs. Um, so I have my everyday one, which I can wear heels with, um, which is awesome. I call it my pretty leg. I get half-off pedicures. Nice. And then I have my... <laughs> Well, yeah, they only paint the other side. That's, this course. that's
0: great disabled humor. I love yeah. that.
13: and then um, I have my athletic one, which I play basketball and volleyball, standing with. And then I have my running leg, which is the one that looks like a bent back paperclip. I don't know if you've seen the, the blade, cat, yeah, the Cat Williams skit. But, um, uh. <laughs> but uh, so I have that one as well, and I usually uh, use that to run and jog and um, do my conditioning with.
8: Speaking of handicapped humor, there's a guy at the football game the other day at Penn State in front of me and on his regular leg, and I say regular only because I'm an idiot and I don't know a better word to use it, but he has a tattoo on his calf that says, I'm with Stumpy, and it's an arrow Um, pointing to his prosthetic leg, and I looked at him and and I felt embarrassed, I wanted to take a picture, and when he turned around, he caught me. He was the most jovial guy ever. And he goes, dude, that's why I got the tattoo. Take a picture. Yeah. Pass it around to your friends. It's, it's just empowering moment. So that's neat to hear for sure.
0: Is it, is it cool that way to, to own it? I mean, because it, it, you said you've been for a long time trying to hide it. But mm-hmm. so many times, and, and whether it be an amputation or, or anybody growing up, of course, all the small things get picked out. And you spend a lot of time trying to hide things that are far less uh, obvious than that necessarily. But you figure out later in life that if you just own it, it's a lot better. So is that a big part of the process that, that you said you needed to go through and want to help people go through is just owning who you are and what you are at that moment?
13: Right. And that's, yeah, absolutely. That that goes across all the boards, you know, whether it's um, people with disabilities or people that – have some type of thing to overcome in their lives, Um, owning who you are and putting yourself out there. Because no matter what, this is what we were given, you know. And my disability has given me traveling the world and being a part of the USA Volleyball family now and, you know, all of these other things that I would not have gotten if I did not accept who I was. Um, so I've just been blessed with all of these things because I'm accepting and owning my disability and that can be any way, shape or form in your life as well. Um, you know, identifying with who you are and whether you're tall or short and, you know, and accepting that it's not good enough to say can't and won't and, and, you know, the only disability really you have is a bad attitude.
0: I don't know if we can cure that with Jay. I
13: don't know either.
8: Some would say incurable. Some would say perfect as I am. <laughs> we'll put your wife in that category. Yeah, my wife definitely is uh, a wonderful, wonderful woman. If you're listening, honey,
0: I love you. <laughs> so, Katie, what about this match that's coming up here? Five thirty. I hear I just got a roster spot.
13: I I think so. I think you're gonna have to get out there and and see what you can do.
0: Am I gonna get sweaty? Yes. Okay, you
13: I do You're some not shorts. even trying. I anybody.
8: Yeah. I have a bounty right now. Anybody who six packs him.
0: It's an extra you got to get your hands up. I played in a sitting game probably 10 or 12 years ago when we had one of the first, I think one of the first sitting teams that USA Volleyball had out to the training center, and we sat and played with them for a while. It was a blast. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm fired up.
13: If you're a volleyball junkie, you got to sit down and try this sport because it's, it's amazing. It's so much fun, and it will make you laugh every single day. We laugh at everyone that gets packed in the face every day. Well,
8: I, I just jinxed myself, too. I'm <laughs> probably going to be the one that gets packed. but
13: That's yeah, part of the game, huh? Yeah.
0: All right, so exactly. 5.30 happening here. Are we on one of these courts or are we somewhere else?
13: Yep, we're on one of these courts.
0: All right. All right. Looking awesome. forward to it.
13: All right. Thanks, guys. Katie Hollins.
0: Thanks, Katie. thanks
8: for sitting in again. Absolutely. One of the various uh, uh, wonderful people walking around, just coming down to sit down between us and chat.
0: Yeah, we've got, a, cool. we've got a lot going on here. Now, the sessions have started up again. I see that this one is packed. Yeah,
8: what's going on over there?
0: Oh, my gosh. We need I mean,
8: to send somebody over there to find out what is being talked about.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what. Maybe I'll try and uh, turn on some tunes here for just a minute. We're okay. going to take a, a little bit of a break. I, I My watch still isn't set to the correct time. so It is 4.13 if 4:13. you had an 4.13. So we've been on the air for a long, long time. Gary Sato asking me where and when. Uh, he's going to come over here. He's going to bring over Master Lin. We're going to hear from Master, Master Lin about Lin. kind of recovery and uh, and the world of volleyball. So we we're going
8: to do a little Shaolin monk
0: training or something. Ooh, that sounds nice. Yes, Shaolin. Uh, Let me see if I can put uh, a little music. Do you have any
8: music from DJ Rocher? I'm
0: trying here, but
8: I don't know what's wrong. Little with, Fat um, Jeremy.
0: By the way, love, love the uh, the collages. The collages. Yes.
8: Who? Uh, Gardhoff is doing those, correct? You're yeah. doing a fabulous job with those things. Guard you have missed your calling, man. I I don't I don't know how else to tell you, but you do a really nice job.
0: He's killing it. We'll be right back on the net live. Enjoy a little OAR. little OAR. Hey, girl, I like this one. This is a good one. That's a good song, all right. For sure. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back into the Net Live. Uh, Jay got an opportunity to run away and uh, go talk to some folks, and uh, I wandered around. I'm still looking for a pair of shorts, trying to get a pair of shorts. I thought you're going
8: to send your brother back to uh, go get some for you.
0: I asked him about that, but I don't know that we have any, so I'm trying to get some from Mizuno here and see if Mizuno can hook me up one more time. Ooh. One more time, Barnett's
8: still looking for free stuff. You know, they have spandex. Plenty of spandex for you.
0: Buns, baby. I'm going to yeah, wear some buns. buns. Don't be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wear some buns.
3: I've always
8: wished, secretly deep down inside, it would have been kind of funny to watch a dominating men's team come out in some buns and tank tops and just throttle the team that they're playing against in that, but not going to happen. Thankfully, I guess, in some certain fashion.
0: Cam Kerr, I see on the chat board here you say there was no music, but hopefully you heard us. Did you have an opportunity to hear us is the question. That would be, you can answer that for, for me on the chat board if you no can hear music. us. Uh-oh. Now, there's lots of coaches wandering around, folks. Yeah. People. People still cruising. People still uh, checking things out. Some of the demos
8: are geared towards younger players. Some of the, co- the demos are geared towards... College level players. Some of the uh, demos are geared towards the sand, some towards indoor. I mean, it's just it covers the gamut.
0: All right. Well, so, Camp, can't, can't, interesting. Cam answered the an- the question, but he said, "I can hear you now." But during the break, there was no music and no mic. Okay. Well, that's all right. That's no right. big we'll be, deal. Cam, well, we're back now. You Can edit that in. Yeah, we're back on. No big deal.
8: <laughs>
0: no big deal. So,
8: uh, so what did you do last night after the uh, the match? Whew.
0: I made a mistake. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's what I did. What was the mistake? I, uh, I went out. Actually, that's not, not really a mistake. I was impressed because there was a Molten party. Ty from Molten. Yep. Put on a, a great party as he does every year. Great supporter of men's and women's volleyball. Yep. Uh, put on a, a really nice party that I'm sure he didn't expect to start at 1230, quarter of one. But that's what it was. It was down on 4th Street Live here in town. We walked over there and were enjoying the festivities. And folks were having a great time, but at about one forty-five, after being up till three thirty the night before and being at White Castle about two fifty the night before, <laughs> did you talk about that? Uh, no, I haven't talked about that yet. <laughs> my uh, my Instagram feed had a, uh, a a picture of White Castle and said two fifty a.m. Yes, we did it. Yes, I do remember that. I yeah. remember that. So well,
8: and and Molten, for those of you who don't know, Moulton puts on a. a a party for basically all the coaches that come to this and they pay for Well, this is one
0: big party. I mean, we've talked a lot about what else is going on in here, but bottom line is there's a party every night. So Moulton puts on this party. It's it's funny on the,
8: on the women's side, the party is attended by literally hundreds, if not, you know, a thousand or two people at any given moment. And there's free uh, libations to be had and Moulton pays for all of that, which uh, you know, thanks again to Moulton for doing those kinds of things. And then you go to the men's side, and when we have ours, there are maybe 15 guys, and we're in a back room somewhere, and it's a little smaller. But Yeah, there's
0: a pony keg, and everyone thinks they're having a good time. Yeah, but we're doing keg stands and doing shots till 5 in the morning and <laughs> snorting coke off of hookers. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't do any of that. I'm but you're kidding. all by yourselves in a room.
3: Yeah.
8: <laughs> do you think anybody's going to write a letter stating that Jay talked about snorting
0: coke off of hookers? You know, here's the bottom line. Yeah. It, it, it's well, – we're a volleyball show. We're volleyball people. We're, people. We're people. People. Yes, we are. And sometimes you got to cut loose and uh, snort Coke off of hookers. I mean, occasionally that happens. Would that be considered winning if you did? <laughs> For some people, yes. But every night there's parties and get togethers, and, and there was just a, a real nice one yesterday. Uh, Thanks to Ty and Moulton for putting that on. And I was having a great time. I had to leave about 1.45 and and just walk home and get a little bit of rest, continue working on my questions for the All-American Banquet. The question on the chat board earlier was, is there tape of that? In years past, there has been tape of that event. I'm not sure where it's at. I don't don't think they live-streamed it. Maybe they did. Uh, but there has been tape out there at other times of that event, opportunity to hear and see some of the great female athletes. I have got to imagine that the ABCA
8: records those and will have that archived in some form or fashion for anybody to be able to watch if they were so inclined. Somewhere, somewhere, yeah, somewhere. They're not going to. I don't think they're
0: going to pass that opportunity up if they can. Well, so well,
8: talk about White Castle.
0: Oh, <laughs> it was a great idea. Yes, it was a great idea at. Two o'clock yes. when uh, when we didn't have any other options. How fabulous was, was that
8: idea at four o'clock?
0: No, at five thirty when I when I was struggling, it was not a good idea. So I, I recommend White Castle about two thirty. I don't recommend it three hours later. I think we have our next uh, guest sitting down, Gary. We're gonna get you first, and you can uh, you can set up your man here. You're kind of you're kind of Masterlin's handler on this whole thing. <laughs> You're you're his you're his handler. I mean, you've gone from volleyball legend to handler.
14: Well, actually,
0: I'm, I'm more like a. I'd call myself like a conduit. Oh, ooh, yeah. excellent yeah, conduit. Yes, kind it's of a all, big word. It's all about the naming. <laughs> it's all in the branding.
9: Because so we were
0: just talking about all the partying going on here, and the the hours that people are spending in this room in the volleyball matches. And then again in the evenings till late at night. So the focus here for the spring forest, I can't even say that. Qigong. Qigong and volleyball it was energy-focused recovery. I can use two of those. Uh, I'm not sure how the focus is going to work out. But the energy and recovery, I can use those two things here at this event. Tell us a little bit about what Master Lin is doing here. Okay, yeah. it. Uh, you know, the the... the the recovery,
14: absolutely. You, you know, I would suggest... You're a chiropractor. I'm a chiropractor, but I, I would also, I'd suggest drink a lot of water.
0: Good idea. Let
14: yeah. me do that. I see that Let's to begin with. But uh, the recovery, it's all about balancing the energy uh, in the body. You know, sometimes it can get all caught up in your head. Sometimes it can get all caught up in your foot. So you want it to equalize and be able to be uh, available for when
0: you need it and where you need it. I mean, we're talking about mental focus. We're talking about some very esoteric... Concepts, at least for a lot of Western people, no? Absolutely. But I
14: think, I think the world's ready for it. It's a little bit progressive. I know uh, in uh, speaking with some coaches, uh,
0: Mike Seeley and, and, and uh, John Sprott, to name a few. Uh, they're putting they're, mental recovery and, and uh, conditioning to the test and with great results.
14: Oh, absolutely. They're, they're very open to the uh, progressive
0: mode. Andrea Becker, I believe, is, is their mental coach. Oh, Andrea Becker. Yes, yeah, she's doing a great job. Okay. Uh, I've got a back problem. Can you solve it? That's the other issue. <laughs> you make it sound like a detective here. Uh,
14: I think I, you know, we could put some time into it. It would require, a, you know, a history, and if there's any other further uh, uh, tests that need to be done, you know, like a cat scan or. A... I used
0: to play volleyball. That's my history.
8: I tell you what, I can give you some background uh, knowledge.
0: When I was down in L.A. working
8: for the Pan Am Games, I had a back issue, and Gary took a look at me, gave me some adjustments uh, and did some manipulation on some muscles and gave me a word of advice that I'd never, ever heard before. And this is, for all you young coaches out there, this is gold. And I am not lying to you. When you are hitting balls at your kids, bend your knees when you swing. Don't pivot on a straight knee. The reason being, Mm. it is awful for your lower back, because you're you're just grinding that hip into the lower back. I had such bad back issues that I couldn't even bend over, and now, because of that little hit, that little tip from Gary, I got no more issues. It's unbelievable, Gary, that the the nugget of gold that you gave me, I always look at all my coaches and my junior coaches I talk to, and I say the same thing, keep the front knee bent when you hit (laughs) <laughs> well,
14: I think uh, that biomechanical analysis might uh, might might help out a little bit. I don't know about
0: all the other issues though.
8: <laughs> you mean the fact that I walk with a limp and I'm I'm funny looking? You
0: can't help me out the with the limp. I mean that's yeah. so what it is. I was looking for like a, a, for the first ever Net Live live adjustment. I screwed my back up about four days ago, and it just it needs some help. So maybe it could just crank on me on air.
14: <laughs> <laughs> well, oh! you might be able to make the sound, but there we go. There
10: we go. That's, but uh, but that's I don't about what my, about my spine adjustment. sounds like.
0: Nice. Oh, I've got it. All right. Well, introduce Master Lin for us here.
14: All right. I have with me uh, Master Chunyi Lin from uh, Spring Forest Qigong, and he's got a, a, a great system uh, that can uh, help equalize your energy and give you more uh, balance in your lifetime.
0: Awesome.
8: Looking forward to this.
0: All right. Getting some nuggets of, of wisdom here. Also, I have Huma Kutchin just wandered by, so we'll yeah. be having him just in a little bit. Master Lin, welcome to the Net Live. First time.
12: Well, thank you. I'm so excited and so honored to be here with you.
0: So, give us a little bit of, of background on what you've developed here. I, you guys have DVDs, CDs, manuals, uh, a lot of information available on this recovery, how did you go about the process of putting this together and starting to apply it to volleyball?
12: Well, so when I, um, uh, when I was in China, I played basketball a lot, and I, I played a lot of different kind of sports, and I, I, uh, I'm a, a, a volleyball fan, and, uh, though I didn't play a lot because of the conditions. So, and I have a lot of injuries, you with know, myself, and you know, my knees, and uh, so some injuries was very bad, you know, so one injury really got me down when I played basketball, I landed on my, uh, with my knees locked, and you know, so that my cartilage, belly damaged, so I went to the doctor, the doctor said, I need a surgery, and even the surgery, he said, you know, might not be able to help me that much. So, I tried acupuncture and healing, any, any healing you can, you can uh, mention. But nothing could help me out. And later on, it developed into arthritis, and it was very painful and swollen up big time. And one day, and I went to uh, a Qigong uh, workshop and practiced the exercise. I, just in the afternoon, you know, after that, several, several hours to practice with the masters my pain went away, and uh, the swollen in my knees completely gone. So that really got me deep into Qigong practice. So I developed this system later on, and I help people with a, uh, um, lots of um, uh, different kind of problems. And now here in the volleyball, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, I talked to Gary Sato, and, um, and Jerry, and, and so I got, uh, I watched a, a few games, I really got how Qigong can help the athletes to perform better. Like I help to calm down the emotions and the pre-game and the post-game and the recovery from the injuries. And so it can play, Qigong can play a very, very uh, practical and important role in the healing and in the whole performance. Oh, that's why I'm here. <laughs> so we're
0: talking about controlled breathing, yeah, controlled sounds, breathing. Yeah. meditation, right. And, and, and
12: energy points. Yeah, energy points. Um, uh, some very simple exercises and the uh, head-to-toe healing. Uh, These are some energy buttons, energy points in a body you can push to stimulate uh, the energy flow in a certain area, for instance, in the head, and neck injuries, and shoulder injuries, and wrist, uh, lower back, and knees, and ankles, and all, all these injuries can be healed just by pushing those energy buttons because they got blocked at that moment. And the energy doesn't flow.
0: Are, are there some ones that people can do on themselves? Yeah. Okay,
12: so, so can you describe one for
0: us so we can do live on air? Jay, get ready. Sure. That, w- that w- we can do here. What can we do okay. if you're sitting I'm ready. listening right now? Yeah, all right. You, you want to hit an energy point? Yeah. Energy it, button.
12: Yeah. For, for, for instance, if you've got a wrist okay. or fingers injuries. Yeah. Okay. So you can also massage the elbows area. Okay. You also can also this part. Okay. So got the. the uh, from the joints, uh, the uh, the elbows down over here, the joints. So okay, like on
0: top that. of the on top of the elbow, kind of the top of your forearm, yeah, where it's just right. exiting the elbow. Right. Yeah.
12: yeah. Yeah, you see. Oh, you can see I can that. feel that. Oh, I can. Yeah.
0: My middle fingers. Yeah, man. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Totally. I'm giving the bird here. Yeah. Yeah.
12: yeah. Oh. It's really moving. Yeah. yeah. So when you move the energy down over here, you move your fingers, and all you can feel it's much looser right away.
0: Yeah, you can feel stuff yeah. going down yeah. your arm.
10: Yeah. Yeah,
12: it's a, uh, open up if you have arthritis or injuries in the wrist and the in the knuckles, in this area, just within minutes, the pain goes away.
0: Now, I may have inadvertently discovered some of this. I've gotten heavy into myofascial rolling yeah. uh, with the black roller, not this yeah. white joke roller. Yeah. The black roller, the one that will just destroy you. And, yeah. and I, I do a ton of stuff up towards the hip area and down yeah. the leg, but it, it affects my knee greatly. Yeah. Is, that, yeah. is that, again, another area similar to yeah. where we just were here, my elbow going exactly. down to the knee?
12: Exactly. So you can massage underneath of the knee, right over here, uh-huh. you know, right underneath. So you can help me to describe this better. Oh, yeah. yeah. Painful. Yeah. The
0: look on yeah. Kevin's face right now. Ah, yeah, that's, yeah. It's on the, on the lateral side, the outside yeah. of the knee, kind of the yeah. top of the calf. Right. And there's a pressure right.
8: point there.
12: Yeah. Oh,
8: man, he is wincing yeah. like a little girl. <laughs>
12: I'm already sweating. I need those shoes. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. When you, when you massage the area, and also you can feel the pain really going away. From the hip down to the ankles and now to the to the to the toes. Yeah, I was
0: having a hard time breathing during that. So yeah. maybe talk
12: about
8: that
0: side. But yeah, yeah, you yeah.
8: Know, One of the things that I'm I'm hearing from some people that we work with is mm-hmm. static stretching in the past has been looked upon as the way that, to warm up for athletes.
3: Uh-huh, and uh-huh. obviously
8: now it's morphing into more dynamic stretching where there's right. movements involved. Yeah, yeah, But what's happened and what I've learned is uh-huh. that static stretching is actually very good for the fascia that,
12: he, that Kevin is talking about yes.
8: because there needs to be that freedom of movement. Right. Can you talk a little bit about
12: that? Oh, yes. There's uh, you know, a couple points, energy points uh, you can massage. You know, so you like, uh, give me your leg, okay? okay. So you know, this point is right on the. Yeah, the, the 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 end of this muscle, right? The calf right? muscle, the calf muscle. Yep. And you just you know stimulate this point. Yeah, I can and, uh, I can feel some. Yeah. Stimulation. Yeah. Stimulation. Yeah. The stimulation and also get stimulate this point. And this point it controls all the ligaments and the tendons in the entire body. Wow. It is not just your legs; it's entire body. So you stimulate like a thirty seconds like that before you you start jumping and moving in a court. You can get up to the level of warming up much faster wow, and uh, more efficiently and, work, and uh, work on the ball. Right. Wow. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. So
0: these, these massage techniques are, are not only designed for, say, mm. the physical trainer uh-huh. or the, the weight trainer or yeah. the physical therapist. These are designed for coaches also to learn to help players exactly. treat themselves but then also be able to convey information to their health professionals with them.
12: Right. And and the players, they can learn that too.
0: Yeah. The players need to gain knowledge. I I, I know way too much about the knee. I wish I didn't know so much because it would mean it wasn't broken. (laughs) (laughs) But I know way too much about the knee, but I've always tried to learn. And, And I actually, I had an early experience with the kind of pressure point stuff. We had a doctor that when I had shoulder problems, he was up in my trap pressing, right. and it right. was going all the way down and radiating into my shoulder, another right. one of those energy points.
12: Yeah, so that's in the shoulders area, and uh, uh, those points it can help to uh, relax uh, the stress in the shoulders and uh, the neck injuries and uh, uh, the, uh, the shoulders and the arm injuries, and uh, they, can, they can help.
0: Is there increasing acceptance or, uh, or, or awareness of your type of approach to the body and to total health. Do you find that people are more accepting now than perhaps they were 10 years ago?
12: Oh, yes, absolutely. And there's no question about that. Um, you know, so, uh, more and more people, they know about acupuncture, acupressure, uh, Reiki, and shiatsu, and yoga. Yeah. Right? And so this is, some people call it needless acupuncture, and it goes even deeper. That it, uh, it combines the mind, the spirit and the physical body together so that's why you can heal the body much faster and more completely and of course you know we have a a specific techniques for specific uh, issues uh, challenges for instance you talk about for instance anxiety Mm -hmm. right so you play in a court how you can help us to calm down the emotion so uh, those second a couple energy points i have in the Massage tape and uh, the head to toe healing. You just, just massage that You know, within like a two, two, three minutes, you can calm down the the emotion, just like that. Mm. And uh, so you know, it 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 it, uh, it it just like you know, you push the button, everything zooms, it disappears. It sometimes it it looks like it's too good to be true. Um, but it is so real, you know, yeah. that our body has the energy point. Well, and, the a- and this
0: is useful for sports, but also outside of sports. Well, in the, yeah. and, and the ancient uh, Asian
8: uh, cultures and Indian cultures and, yeah. and, and that these this, this type of medicine, so to speak, right. was created way before there was pharmacology, way oh, before yeah. there were drugs. And, uh, yeah. it, and it's one of the... I, I went to a, a seminar weeks ago where they were talking about the differences between Western and Eastern medicine. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the challenges... That Western medicine faces is that there's a drug for everything right. and the sad thing is is that although you fix one thing with that drug now you yeah. have nine more things that come <laughs> up because of it and these ancient cultures that came up with these, these, uh, these ways to manipulate the body and, and yeah. calm the mind yeah. there's a reason why yeah. they do these things it's right. not just hippie you know, right. thought processes right. and
12: ways that kind of make you feel like you're doing mm-hmm. something
8: it actually mm-hmm. works
12: oh yeah so when you talk about uh, science one of the uh, characteristics of science is you know, something can be repeated, right? Right. Can be repeated, you know, can be uh, uh, performed in any situations. You know, here, these people, our ancestors from different cultures, they have already observed uh, the body and the reaction of the body for thousands of years. Right, You know, like a Qigong is one of them. It's in, it has been practiced in China for 7,000 years. Wow. You know, if something can last that long, right? Right. It right. If it was good. quackery, <laughs> right. it would have been done
8: in, in 20 minutes. It's I, not, I, snake, I oil. Yeah, right. not right. snake oil. Yeah, it's not snake oil. Good way to put
0: it. Yeah. Okay, so Spring Forest Qigong and volleyball is the, the item I'm holding. And you guys have uh, G- Spring Forest Qigong fundamentals, DVD, CD, and manual. You have the learning course for the massage. Head to Toe Healing, this is your body's repair manual. This yeah. is a book. Right. Uh, and also a small universe guided meditation yeah. uh, opportunity yeah. uh, CD yeah. from you. Yes. Where can people go to get more information on Qigong?
12: Oh, so they can visit my website. and uh, uh, It's called springforestqigong.com. Okay. Spell um, Qigong, please. Yeah, Qigong is a Q-I-G-O-N-G. Springforest. Okay. Qigong.com. Spring Forest,
0: Qigong. yeah. com. So yeah. they should go there and they can learn more about yeah. these healing techniques, the right. energy buttons, how yeah. they can heal themselves, and how yeah. they can talk to their, their healing professionals.
12: Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, you no. Know, so then we're going to have a tele teleconference, teleconference, uh, January the 10th at 6 p.m. You know, uh, on that time.
0: website, yeah nice, yeah, yeah. so January tenth at six p m Pacific yeah. time yeah that's an opportunity for people yeah. to uh to learn more yeah about awesome. Qigong and get an opportunity to see it yeah. in practice
12: right so Gary Sato and I and maybe Jerry too right so we're gonna, we're gonna be on the uh, on the show
0: Very yeah. good, do you need yeah. any dummies? To work on oh, live wow. bodies that, that have a lot of problems, a lot of yeah. issues Anytime. that could be solved. Are you volunteering Anytime. yourself, Kevin? Yeah. Hey, it, it's a teleconference. There's space time, right? That and is. I have health issues. They need yeah. a dummy to work on. Somebody yeah. that's just take all the pain. Uh, you I are. A, this you sounds be, like a natural fit. You are a patient, <laughs> not a dummy. It's how you I'm sorry. A patient. That's yes, right. I, I will be uh, a patient. I, sure. <laughs>
12: uh, I can I can take on a, a dummy or a patient. Anyway. Uh, Kevin. Kevin's got one of those twos. Yeah, I,
0: I've got those covered. Well, uh, Master uh, Master Lin uh, Lin, I'm yeah, sorry, Master yeah. Lin. Yeah, I was look. I, this is the problem. Okay, yeah. so when I'm doing Chinese volleyball, yeah. I always worry about what direction to do the names because you guys, yeah, uh, Chinese culture is. Different than us. It's right, right. Backwards from us. So I always worry about if I'm going the right direction or not.
12: It, it doesn't matter. So, you kind know, my name and my last name is Lin. Right. Uh, that's my family name. Okay. So in China, people call me Lin Chunyi. Yi. The uh, family name comes first. Yes. And uh, here in the Western culture, you know, call me Chunyi Yi Lin. So, okay. They call me Chunyi Yi Lin or Lin Chunyi, Yi, and uh, either way, it works. So, so if gone, I go to
0: China, I can be Barnett Kevin. Yeah. Don't, but don't call him late for dinner. Don't call him late. <laughs> well, Master Lin, thank you very much yeah, for sitting in with us. So Again, it's uh, Spring Forest Qigong
3: mm-hmm. and
0: springforestqigong.com. We'll have to get a link up there on the Facebook page so yeah. people can click directly out and, and get more information about your program. And uh, January 10th, yeah, don't miss you. the teleconference, 6 p.m. Awesome. Pacific. Thank awesome you. Stuff. Thank you. Yeah, thank it's it's a a great great
12: honor you, Master Lin. to be with you. Thank, thank you very you. much. We thank appreciate you, you spending right. the time.
0: Thanks, uh, thanks, Gary. Gary Sato,
8: also known famously for the phrase, grow the game. Grow the game. Grow eh? the
0: game. And he has a, a really nice uh, cartoon of him standing on top of the world that I, I rather have enjoyed seeing. I, someone captured his essence. His somehow. essence? Yeah, his essence. Uh, is, that a, is, that a, is that the right phrase, his essence? Well, I mean, not like a skexy, I mean, not like he, he stole his essence out and had to feed the Skeksis with it, if those of you who are looking for a Dark Crystal reference. <laughs> Did you just bring that? Really,
8: Dark Crystal. Wow, go, go check Dark it out Dark Crystal. Yeah, that was back in the early '80s, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, Jim Henson production. Yes, I remember that movie because I remember I had a poster of it. Wow, that's that's really dating myself. So,
0: how old are you, Kevin? 38. 38. 38 going on, 22.
8: Still a nickel behind me, but it's all good.
0: A nickel? Really? A nickel. I'm You're 43. 43? Are you really? That's, that's why there. you were saying 50 coming pretty soon. Well,
8: that's what I'm saying. The AARP is going to be banging on my door here before you know it.
0: All right. We have uh, our next guest wandering over. Heavy hitter. I, I thought it was Brandon Rosenthal for a second, but it really turns out to be Hugh McCutcheon. So heavy hitter. Again, both of these guys wearing They're fond of checks and the close shave <laughs> on the head.
8: Is that the new fashion trend is the checkered shirt? Is that
0: what's going and on? And the bald head you got to go with both, though. You have to go with both. So welcome into the show, and and we're going to keep, I think, this conversation, because we're going to have another conversation at his recommendation. He said, you know, why don't we have a a national team dissection sometime, a reflection. Uh, But I want to keep this to the current business, the current place we're at. Welcome in to the conversation again with a new title, University of Minnesota Head Women's Volleyball Coach. And future Mister Minnesota. Wow, <laughs> gotcha. Mister Minnesota. Well, not in the sense the of truth muscles truth. and man boobs. Well, uh, <laughs> muscles and man boobs.
15: So many things to say.
0: So, oh, sorry. I'll get there. We right go now. Now
3: here. you're there. Sorry, right? well, yeah. you you've gonna <laughs>
0: turn your gain down a little bit. Master Lin was a little quieter than we know
15: you're gonna be.
3: <laughs>
15: Master <laughs> Lin. Yes, uh, he's. Um, He's a man of few words. I, I'm not sure what I'll be for you, then, but I'm here and uh, ready to discuss. Okay, so, Hugh, you, you jumped out of the a little thing
0: called the Olympics
15: and a yeah, little thing you know.
0: called the gold medal match and, you know, run it being number one team. What, who cares about all the international stuff?
3: Yeah. And you
0: jump right back into the University of Minnesota, this job that had been arranged a couple of years before, yes. and you show up, and, unfortunately, their season is basically started.
3: <laughs> How
0: difficult a challenge was it to integrate yourself into that
15: well yeah it was interesting because uh you know london gets done and and uh back back to back to california you know pack up the house and uh you know all of a sudden the movers are here and i'm in the office cleaning up my desk and trying to tie up you know the the couple of million loose ends
0: Taking down the pictures of sheep in Middle Earth. <laughs>
15: <laughs> Took a long time to do that. <laughs> Cover, covered the walls they did. Uh so we got rid of all of that into the boxes and away we go. And and um so, you know, got into into Mini and and uh fill out some paperwork and then
0: you know, immigration.
15: It, yeah, most California of California to Minnesota. Most of it background check and <laughs> uh, immigration. And then we get into it and it's um yeah, practice on Thursday, and we play. Uh, well, the, and then we we played a match on Friday, and, and they'd played a couple of week a uh, couple of matches the weekend before. So, you know, it was one of those things where um, they they were obviously expecting my arrival, and and I was, you know, just we were just going to go in there and, and kind of take care of business as per usual. You know, we didn't make too big of a fanfare about it. We just um, just tried to kind of ease into it and you know, I, I coached the way I coach and, uh, you know, tried to normalize that whole process as best we could. And it, it worked out all right. You know, and, and most of that, of course, is due to the wonderful, wonderful work done by Laura, Laura Bush and uh, Chris Thomas, who, who were there, you know, coaching in the interim. And, um, you know, the, the, that thing all went pretty smoothly. And, and, and when you look at the whole season relative to the the risk that was there for everyone involved—it seemed to have been pretty well mitigated. So, yeah, they, they were great, and you know, I did the best that I could with what we had. Jay, I'm not quite sure what you're trying to tell me. I'm,
8: I'm trying to point quietly to the
0: pair of shorts that was just given to you by, uh, by Heat. I'm back in. I'm on. A, I'm going to try and join another national team here. Here, I'm going for the sitting <laughs> team. I'm on my way. <laughs> he does sit well. That's for sure. Yeah, no comment. So, Laura. Laura Laura Bush had been in charge of the program, yes, interim yes. on yes. an interim basis, mm-hmm. and put together a training regimen, the philosophy, a, protocol, a coaching, perhaps. a protocol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much of that was hers and how much of that was yours, and how quickly did anything change
15: once you were there? Well, I'm not sure what was going on before, so it's tough for me to comment on how much it changed. But we, when we were putting the deal together originally in the beginning of 2011 or whatever it was, February perhaps. Um, you know, we we had some very general discussions, kind of philosophically, big picture, how we wanted to try and play and train, and you know what was the best best methodology. But I I did talk to Laura about the fact that she needed to, or the staff they needed to run it how they they were going to run it, not how they thought I was going to run it. You know what I mean? So that, I mean, whoever's coaching, you've got to be true to
8: it's it humble to true be able yourself. to look at that staff and say, hey. It's uh, your
15: job now. Yeah, uh, a little bit of that. Like, I-, I know I'm coming, but don't feel like you got to, you know, uh, WWHD it. You know, what would Hugh do or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we're not going down that path. Do do what you need to do to win the next point. And and when I get there, you know, we'll do it the way um, that we all kind of agree on. But clearly, I'll have a bit more of an influence over that.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna ask myself sometimes <laughs> WWHD various situations. <laughs> <laughs> My fourth set of chest press. What? Yeah. Well, WWHD. <laughs> yeah. Fifth set, or, or am I done here? <laughs> Comparing yeah. and
3: I've
15: no <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, keep going.
0: How about the level? Uh, you and I had a chance to chat just briefly earlier on, and, and you said you were surprised, pleasantly surprised, yeah, by the level of NCAA volleyball. I think it's
3: good.
15: I really do. I mean, I, I feel really fortunate to be in this arena right now because I, I think. You know, I've said this a lot before, but uh, you know, I, I believe it. Hence, I'll say it again. that More, more than any other uh, realm of the sport in, in our country right now, I think women's college has the biggest room for growth and to to really make something happen—kind of TV and crowds and all the rest of it. I think that's where it's all going to happen. And you know, the, there are so many good kids coming out, and um, there's a lot of good coaching going on, and it's it's awesome. And it's it's not awesome because, you know, we had a good year. It's awesome. Because, you know, we could have got it handed to us. I'd still be impressed by the resources there are, the level of competition and coaching that goes on, and just the quality of the kids that are involved. And you didn't drop to some no-name
0: conference. I mean, you came right into the Big Ten, which is yeah. arguably, you could you could on any given year say the top conference or next yeah, to the top it's, conference.
15: It's, uh, it's up there. Yeah, I mean, you can debate it all you want, but it's it's uh it's a handful all the teams are good and and on any given day you know if you're not bringing it you could you could get into trouble and and i think that's a really strong advantage even though it's it's pretty crazy while you're in it um it teaches the kids the the, the importance of the battle you know you, you don't get to ease up and so when you get into this uh tournament play you're conditioned for that for that grind i guess how different is the flow
0: of the day and the flow of weeks for the college game versus the international game?
15: Yeah, it's a a good question. I mean, the the international stuff, when you're in it, you're so in it. You know, like it's World Cup, World Champs, Olympics, whatever it is. I mean, you're there for three weeks and every waking minute of every day is consumed with that. Um, And then when you're not in those tournaments, then it's all about, you know, what do we have to do, do today to be the best team in the world kind of thing. So the practice and the Planning and the you know all the preparation because there are no constraints on any of the time you can commit to any of that. So um, when you're in the college thing, there's definitely a, a better rhythm to it, a more balanced rhythm to it. I mean, it's still a ton of work. You know, you, uh, I, I was putting in equally long days, um, but I, I guess you know you get to compete every weekend, and then you get a chance to see what you did and see what they did, and then you get the chance to. You know, work on your next opponent. So the rhythm of it seems to be a little more balanced, and and um, so I, I like that. You know, I, I thought it was a pleasant change for me. Um, as you know, having competed in a World Cup and, and a World Championships as an athlete, those those uh, those tournaments are pretty crazy, brutal. <laughs> yeah, brutal so by just, the end. Just so you know, from a coaching point of view, it's it, you, you know you don't sleep for for much of it at all because. The, the turnaround time is so short between the matches, and you know this way we, we always have time to front load and prepare, and, um, and and therefore you know you can spend more time with your kids and you can do some other things in your life. You can have a bit of balance, and for me that that, that was one of the main reasons to, to get into this. For for one of those matches, did you ever just say forget it?
0: We're just going to go to the next match and, and play how we play. I mean I know you're you're a preparation guy. Your video and studying... Is this for a and World
9: Cup, you mean? Not for a World
0: Cup, necessarily, oh. but some of these other matches. I, I mean, at some point, did did you ever look at it and go, it's about our side, who cares about the other side?
15: Yeah, I mean, uh, so for the college side of things, this year, I... I, I meant international, oh, okay, but... Yeah, okay, but, but I, I'm going to bring it back. I, oh, okay. I got, I got oh. what you were saying. Um, I, For this year, I, I almost exclusively dealt with us for for the first three or four days of the week, and then I would watch them and review the report and then away we go and, and it was a little bit the same with the national team you know uh, certainly with the women um, you know Jamie and was in charge of the scouting and so Jamie and Karch and Paula would split that up and and I would be watching USA and with the guys similar kind of deal Ronnie was uh, taking care of them and I was taking care of us so uh, I, I know we we do prepare and when we do have it all dialed in but um, well we have the appearance of having it dialed in. How about that? But, <laughs> but we, uh, I spent a lot of my time trying to figure out what, what did we need to do and what were our weaknesses and you know, how, how could we shore up our side of the net to make sure that we had the best chance of winning the next point. Mm. I, I got a question for you. You look at your
8: history of results, just your, your basic you know, hardware. you got a gold medal, you got a silver medal, you, you, you've been at the top. But knowing coaches and, and knowing you, What is something that you are working on yourself to get better at? Where's where's an area that you feel improvement should be made for you?
15: Man, I'm on the couch now. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, I I feel like I've had these, well, first of all, I feel privileged to have had the opportunities that I've had. I've been on this unbelievable ride that, that I couldn't even have dreamed of. 20 years ago, when I was a kid, or whatever, you know. I mean, it's in Christchurch. Yeah, you know, sitting on my couch in Christchurch, <laughs> hanging out, eating fish and chips. Um, so, so uh, right now I've had all these experiences, and it's just been so. The next one, the next one, the next one, the next one, and I want to take some time and really see what I mean. What, what just happened, you know? Like, yeah. what, what 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 was going on, and then really try to. Um, Look at all the different experiences and try to draw out all the lessons learned. And, and fortunately, along the way, I was able to, with, with the help of a lot of different people, catalogue some of the stuff. And, but I, I really want to just figure out what, what 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 we just did, and um, and then kind of figure out well how does that all fit with where we're going and go from there. So I think that's the biggest thing I want to do. Is I feel like I've been running on this treadmill for a long time, and finally, you know, as of tomorrow, when I get on the plane and I'm out of here, I'm going to get to step off for a bit. And I, I want to take some time to reflect, not because it's, you know, basking in the radiated glory of said results. It's not that at all. It's, it's you know, here's what we did. Here's what we did. Here's what we did. Okay. What does that all mean? And, and what is, how can I apply that to what's going on next?
8: May I make a recommendation for the title of your book? Ponies and rainbows. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be uh, the phrase that is most... Uh, rainbows and ponies? That's rainbows my
15: and ponies. <laughs> is. Rainbows and
6: ponies is my name.
0: All the other stuff you've done, rainbows
8: and
15: it ponies. means
0: nothing. Rainbows and
15: ponies is what you should uh, what you should call it. Rainbows right. and
0: ponies and plaid.
6: <laughs>
15: <laughs> Good to know. Duly noted, Jay, and I will uh, give it said
3: consideration. Sweet. All Sweet. All right. yeah,
15: yeah, yeah.
0: How about the family side of things, over returning to Minneapolis, your, your mm. wife, Wiz? Yes. Uh, from the area, the family uh, prominent in the area, and uh, yeah. a good opportunity for you with your growing family. Yes, to yeah. get some some much needed support. I know I needed it when my kids were young. It was nice to have folks around that would want to take the little munchkins for a while and show them something different, and I could take the wife out for
15: dinner. That's that's exactly right. I, you know, with the the way the season was and the transition, it's been very hectic in the in the wee McCutcheon household, and um, Wiz is phenomenal. Um, bearing the load with the kids and you know helping out with all the stuff that goes on with that it's anyone that's that's a, a parent will understand the sacrifices that mothers make to, to make it all work and she's uh, she's all world so uh, we've been uh, still in a bit of a state of flux just just because of the nature of the transition we, we weren't able to purchase a house uh, in the twin cities until until just a couple of weeks ago we had an offer accepted so Uh, I think once we get into our own place and get our own space and all that stuff, it'll be great. Um, Six
0: bedrooms, 10 baths, palatial, 10-acre estate, (laughs) (laughs)
12: $80,000.
15: But I just want to remind you, we're volleyball coaches. (laughs) Volleyball coaches. We're not in the NBA, mate. But no, it'll be a good space. And you know, uh, for me, uh, one of the coolest things is there's an opportunity to be connected to a community and to feel part of that fabric. And, um, but, you know, I like that idea. The university's been great. They've been very welcoming. And, um, you know, I, I just think, like I said, once we get our space, the family stuff will be solid. Not that it's, you know, it's not in any way terrible right now. It's just uh, I think once we can put some roots down, we'll all probably uh, sigh, sigh a bit of a sigh of relief.
0: It's fun to have a nest or a hobbit hole, but
15: you yeah, call your own.
0: Yeah, I, I will have a little
15: space there with the... Uh, Gollum or something on the wall. <laughs> I, I don't even know what we're talking about. It's is, is there some kind of inside joke? I, no, I just missing? keep running with it, but he, he seems to think it's all about the hobbit.
8: <laughs> He's teeing it up. I don't know how much we're swinging at it. Yeah, i,
15: mean, I got
0: to take a vacation down there and just find out there's a lot more to it. Mean, as far as I know, it's just Jake the Muss, whale rider. Jake and the, uh, Wow.
15: Jake the Muss, all-world character
0: right. Flight <laughs> of the Concords. That's yeah, always a yeah. good Light reference. Flight
8: of the Concords, yes. Thank Great you. Great show by the way.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Hugh, yeah. how about the university atmosphere versus the national team atmosphere? I mean it, it's different when you're the head of a program that has kind of a satellite office yeah. versus being inside of something that is so massive as the university.
15: Yeah. Well the the biggest difference of course is the level of support you get. You know, just in terms of administrative stuff and you know, everyone says, oh, there's, you know, there's all the rules and all the stuff and, yeah, but, I mean, at least it's all clear cut. You know, part of the part of the international stuff is there's, uh, there's things going on behind the scenes you have no idea, you know, <laughs> but, but there's a lot of transparency and, you know, everyone knows what's expected and you've got, you know, administrative people there if you need help and you've got people you can consult with about your compliance if you're not sure and you've got all of these resources that... um at least for me, and 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 uh, you know, I don't know how it is at any other university, but for me, allow me to worry about you know teaching and coaching and and recruiting, of course, in the women's game, and that's fine. And you know, yeah, there are some other stuff that you got to do, but but it's not. It's it, well, it, it's a pretty pretty easy burden to bear. The national team stuff, it's um, and, and maybe it was just the way that I we we were doing it, or that I was running it at that particular time because we were. This thing in Anaheim, with you were a bit, little bit maverick out there, you know. We we were making it up as we went along, and so that you just ended up all these different hats you had to wear to to make it work, and uh, and that was okay because we needed to do it that way. But I I, I hope and and will assume that as time goes on, that there will be more and more structure and more and more support added to that Anaheim setup, so that the, the coaches can worry more about what they have to do, which is coach. Well, we're going to have you in for a, a dissection
0: of kind of that experience. I like that suggestion. Perhaps mm. in a couple of weeks, yeah. just uh, a reflection, Pe- be an opportunity for people to learn more about what really went on—not for all four years, but kind of some of the overarching principles and, and stuff that that happened with that team and, uh, and and what happened at the end.
15: Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And and uh, I, I was in a little Q and A panel today, and um, uh, one of the you know one of the questions was about that match, and you know we lost. And you know, it stings and and all that. But um, to def- to define what that team was about by that last match does, I think, does us such a huge disservice. Yeah. And and I, I don't I don't know if people do, but but it's pretty convenient to want to trivialise it because you're like, oh, you only got a silver and you're like, I mean, honestly, people would come up to me and they're like, oh, we're so sorry.
8: And i would be like, oh, I was so
15: sorry about your silver medal. I was like, you have no idea. What it's such a great
8: about? accomplishment yeah, in itself. Yeah, right.
15: God, I was like, man, yeah, walk a mile in the, yeah. in the old moccasins, and then come and talk to me about, you know, I oh, was sorry, these. yeah, right, in marks or whatever. You know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, uh, that, what where we started, you know, whatever we did that first year, and where we finished up, and the way they played throughout the the course of those. Those years, um, man, I'm, I'm proud of that team. I'm proud I got to be a part of it. And, uh, yeah, we'll get into that another day. But, anyway. I, was, was...
0: I was just glad to be there, and I gave Lindsey Berg a hug afterwards. You guys were walking out, and I, mm. I saw a lot of the women there. And, and I gave Lindsey a hug, and I just said, hey, it's a great way to end a career. Yeah. You know, I, Whether she's back with the national team or not, the insinuation at the time when she was done. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. but two silver medals is unbelievable. I know unbelievable and it's a shame that it does get viewed popularly as too bad you didn't get a gold yeah
15: what do you mean yeah well and barney you and i know you and i know about the worst place possibly to get in the olympic games the the dreaded fourth fourth yeah fourth is the worst without question that if you want to be sorry sorry you got fourth yeah
0: yeah you can say that to me sorry (laughs) you got fourth that's okay Because
15: yeah. yeah, that does suck. Yeah, I got a completion oh.
0: certificate. I have nothing to hang around my neck. Yeah, and you had
15: and you missed the Sports Illustrated party, and you didn't get to go to that Nike gig, and uh, you got your heart broken at the end twice. It's the most outstanding
0: award, is it not?
15: I didn't. What's that? The wooden spoon. What, what do they give you, yeah, you? I I love how people a-
0: ask you. They're like, uh, did you get a medal? I can't answer that question. Is yes. They don't ask what color.
12: Did yeah. you get a
0: medal? Yeah. No wow. completion certificate signed. Well, and in my own in my
8: own small little universe, because you know we all think that we're the center of everything,
0: you know that be that happens. The J verse.
8: Yeah. The, the, the question always asks me, you know, you got to work with, I got to work with you for four years. Yes. And the question that always comes up is, oh, how was Beijing? And my response is always, I didn't go to Beijing. Oh, well, then you must not have worked with them too much. No, I worked with them just about every day. Yeah, but it's you know, and in my own small yeah. way, that was my that was my fourth place medal, so to speak. Shade. I just I just brought myself into the conversation. Well so hopefully
15: not. the sum total was uh was worth that that slicing that you seem to be getting <laughs> <laughs> without question yeah, I yeah. have
8: definitely benefited. Yeah, so no, it was good. No it was good. All right. Well, well
15: humor McCutcheon,
0: thank you for sitting in.
15: Always a pleasure.
0: I don't think you've missed a convention show that we've had. We've had three years, I think you've been on every year.
15: Well, uh, should I feel good about that?
0: Uh, we feel good about it.
15: I do too. I do too. <laughs> no,
0: I'm just gonna ask myself, W W H D?
15: <laughs> all right well listen uh, great to chat and uh, you guys have a good rest of the show all um, right merry christmas onwards yeah, we'll uh, we'll on. look
0: forward to talking to you sometime in
15: january or february about the uh, national team we'll
0: give you a little more time to all hang out with the fam right now i'm a
15: big big pile of goose so i've got to you know go and blob out for a while and i'll come back to it <laughs> all right yeah
0: sit on the couch for the 20 minutes and then you'll get up and wander around leave yourself some voicemails again good luck <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> right mccutcheon head yeah. coach University of Minnesota, former national team head coach, coach of course, silver medal this past time, and, uh, and gold medal back in 2008. You Not to they... mention the fourth place finish as assistant coach in 2004. Oh, you know what? I, I know
8: I'm going to get hammered for that. It was just my own way of understanding kind of what you guys went through. It has nothing to do with anything else. But i tell you what, uh, here is, I think, a unique, uh, a unique takeaway from this whole thing. When you, when you are, are talking to certain coaches or just people in general, there is laws of communication that go on. And what you don't want to be is you don't want to be that guy that lingers on past their time. Yeah. And Hugh is one of those guys. I feel that way about this show sometimes. This, yeah, this is a life lesson here. <laughs> Hugh is one of those guys that knows when to cut and move on. And you heard him say here, he says, all right, hey, I...
0: Enjoy being here.
8: My time's over. It's time for you guys to continue. That's a small life lesson. That's a little nugget of information right there that you
0: get. So time for us to try and continue the show without him. I don't know how we're going to do it. We we yeah. had to go to another plaid clad uh, ball I was just guy. Say another plaid shirt. Good on you.
3: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Good on Wait, you, mate.
8: Is there a shirt? Is there a store for
0: all these shirts? Am <laughs> I missing it? We don't have that in State College. Brandon uh, Rosenthal, Lipscomb University. I'm
15: from Nashville. <laughs> Nashville, baby.
0: You know, hey, I don't want to put any pressure on you guys, but last show of the year coming up Monday, it will be the Netties. We nice. will have awards for 2012. And I believe we have the last two fifth men of the year sitting here, no? I haven't won anything. were you named fifth man of the year last no, year? No, I was not. Who was, who not was named sure. fifth man of the year last year? I thought Netties. it was him. You,
8: okay. Yeah, I have not I won anything. Back and consult
10: I the record. nominated.
0: Somebody else said...
8: Somebody, Jay was
10: you, you were nominated.
8: I don't know if I was nominated. Somebody threw my name into the, on the chat board. I think it was Mickle or somebody. But no, I have not won anything. And I don't do this for awards. I do it because I get
10: great, immense pleasure out of it. By the way, Mickle's mustache.
8: Stimulation of your calf. Stimulation of my calf. Have you seen Mickle here? Yeah, yeah, I've seen Mickle wandering Sweet around. Sweet stash going uh, on.
10: It's
0: unbelievable. Yeah. How'd your session go? You actually, this year, you have been coming to convention for a long time. But now this year, you are a presenter... At convention, straight off, right now you're here, you got the suit, the plaid, the whole deal. People thought they were going to a McCutcheon seminar, but you were
10: there, and how did it go? What, what, was, it, what was the title? Yeah, the topic. The and title. what was the biggest laugh? Well, the biggest laugh was that I was just expecting one person, or at least one person, to be there, and there was more than that. So. Four? Was, five. Four or five yeah. people. Yeah. Did you have a
8: court or did you have a seminar room?
10: We had a seminar room. Let's okay. just say this. What was the I didn't seminar? have to use the microphone. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, I did just
8: recently go to the men's coaches meeting, and we were all the way on the other side of town in a small little back room. So whatever you got. Even
0: Barack way. Obama once spoke to five community activists in a room. So you got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I was happy to
10: do it. No, I, I was approached by Kathy DeBoer uh, earlier this year and asked me if I would speak on just kind of the – decision making process that goes into deciding to stay at your institution or to move on uh, I wish
8: I would have heard that topic
10: there you go. well, I missed it. Uh, we could probably do the same talk later <laughs> <laughs> but no, again,
8: it, without a microphone fast fast one, huh yeah, yeah.
10: no, it, it was good it was uh you know, I was very open with just explaining the process that I've been in a couple times and Uh, Why I decided to say. Uh, But, you know, I think it was neat. I think for me, it was more, you know, I wanted to know that information before from other people. So, uh, you know, I had to reach out and make some phone calls. So,
8: it's a neat experience to have those friends as resources that when a job does come up, you can call upon them and say, hey, here's what I'm hearing. What's your thought and take on it? And there's,
10: you know, there's an
8: opinion for everything, but it's nice to have that resource for sure.
10: Yeah, it's no doubt. It's uh it's a bit overwhelming because again, for the first time when you're just excited to get a phone call. Sure. Uh you know, after that, you know, it becomes much more of a business and much more of a process that, you know, what I spoke about is that you have to be prepared. You know, the first time I got a call, I was just happy to get a call, uh even though I stayed and you know, didn't really pursue it, but after that, it just awakened me to the idea that you know, if we keep doing what we're doing or supposed to be doing, then, you know, I better have a plan in place. So an,
8: an example being what questions to ask the person on the other side of the phone, what to look for at the university, things of that nature. Would that be part of the conversation?
10: Yeah, you know, I think the, uh, one of the big things for me, uh, you know, and, and this is not the end all and be all is money, but I think you've got to know your, your market value. You know, I think professional athletes probably have that given to them or dictated to them by – you know, collective bargaining agreements and stuff like that. Volleyball coaches don't have that, you know. And so, uh, we really have to know. I think, you know, even if you stay, I think you have to know where you're at and where you fit into the mix. If you don't, then that's just ignorance on your part.
8: It'd be nice to have an agent to be able to call me up once in a while and go, "Hey, you're currently at seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Let's see if we can bump you up a little bit. I think you got some more stock to raise." And you know, or seventy-five, or, you're doing okay, Jay. Or the, the opposite or the opposite. Hey, uh you're being paid 50. Hang on to that as long as you possibly can cuz the gravy trains no
0: longer rolling through.
10: <laughs> the phone <laughs> is not ringing, if you get what I'm saying. Jay, you're not on the hot list. Yeah, exactly. I you know, no, I, the hot list is totally different. The hot list is you don't want to be on the hot list. How do you get on the hot seat. list? Hot list hot How do yeah, you get to be the resistant. guy
8: that gets the call from the AD looking to hire at the next level? How do you get that call?
10: Or is it just who you know? Uh, I would say this I I truly believe it's more who you know. Yeah. Uh um, at this job. The, the couple times that I have been approached by uh pretty prominent programs uh I I was actually recommended by somebody I had no idea who they were, huh. uh, which surprised me. But it also tells you how small the volleyball network is. And uh, I think ultimately, if you continue to do what you're supposed to be doing, uh, good names and, and young candidates are always being sought after.
8: And, and and maybe a recommendation, and you could vouch for this, for young coaches that are just starting out there and you're listening to the show the biggest and best opportunity for you to get involved in the game, go work a camp or two, go, talk, go to a couple clinics, listen to the coaches that are doing all the speaking, talk to them, get yourself known. Those are the people that are going to help you get to the next spot, whether it's their school or not. They're the ones that hear about a GA position or a volunteer position. They say, hey, I know this coach that came to my camp. They were awesome. They did all the work I asked them. They didn't talk back. They, you know, They smelled nice. They were potty trained whatever it is, but that's how you get started. I mean, well, I'm i assuming that's how you got started.
10: Yeah, you know, it's, I think at any level, the ability or the uh, guts to ask questions. You know, this year I have this story about Mike Ebert. I didn't know Mike for, you know, until this past year. I spoke at a coaching clinic actually at the University of Kentucky. He was speaking. Uh, I didn't get a chance to hear him speak because I had to go on to recruit The next day, but I asked him if I could give him a call, Uh, and so we kind of started that conversation. Started emailing. I happened to be in Southern California and told him I was in the area, and asked if I could take him to lunch. He graciously accepted. We had a great lunch, and uh, he said, "By the way, where where'd you spend the night?" And I said, "Well, Riverside," and he's down in San Diego. He said, "Well, that's not in the area." I said, "Well, (laughs) it's closer to being in the area than Nashville." I said. But it was one of those things. Again, you've got to be willing to take a chance. If he said no, it was no skin off my back. But he was gracious enough that uh, he allowed me an hour and a half and you know a thirty dollar tab at Hodads. <laughs> and and it Ho was Dad. awesome. You ever been to Hodads? It's <laughs> no, it's not quite, yet.
8: Quite the spectacle, Hodads. Yeah, but it
10: was neat. And, right. You know, and from there, uh, he brought Jay Van Vark from San Diego State. And again, I didn't know he was bringing anybody, but he did, and, and from there, you know, the network grew, and so now Jay and I talk all the time, and uh, I think that you have to be willing to really get outside your comfort zone and and take a chance. Listen, the only way we got here is because we ask questions. Right, so right. Uh, I'm, you know, speaking from my experience only, I'm more than happy to take time to Answer any sort of questions that you know young coaches may have Mike Hebert, one of the great
8: greats in the game i got a the, the
10: rare opportunity to
8: work with him as an assistant with him on the Pan Am games uh, a couple of years ago also a humongous fan of Monty Python. I don't know if you've learned that or not, but you know Mike even got me. To get it. somebody called me for a job because Mike and I didn't think anything about it at the time, but I mean that's the connections you're talking about it directly from him. That's how it works,
10: and so that's neat to see. And most of the time, I get, oh, well, we heard you on the net live, and you know, <laughs> you sounded really cool. Well, so far, that hasn't worked for me at all. <laughs> <laughs> but you still come back, yes, yes because I do. you never know.
8: Because I'm hoping. No, I'm just kidding. I love my job. On the net live, I I, I love my job and the net live and uh, where I work, where I coach. Doesn't mean someday I won't have to move on, but I love my job now. uh, Pav, if you're listening, I'm not looking, so don't worry. I'm not interviewing. (laughs) No, you're here doing
0: the show. Yes, I'm here doing the show. I'm not actively interviewing you Let's bring out one of your competitors, Jay. Yeah,
8: absolutely. Brandon, thanks.
0: Absolutely. You're you're up for fifth man. Yeah, Brandon.
8: Uh, The next guy, if I may, I I know a little bit about him. He's uh, a guy that years ago uh, I coached. Uh, with, actually, we were uh, doing a thing for uh, Athletes International, if I'm not mistaken.
16: I believe that's he, correct. He
8: was the head coach for the men's U.S. team that went down, and I was the head coach for the women's. We went down to Aruba, and we uh, we coached a little small mini tournament. Uh, at the time, he was the head coach at Newman University out there in uh, beautiful Kansas Hello, somewhere. Newman. Hello, Newman and was hired promptly after I believe you either won the championship or you were in the finals, one of the two. Which one was it? Uh,
16: we lost, unfortunately, in the finals. Okay, yeah. but you were there. We were there.
8: And uh, a, a basically a hammered program that had uh, unfortunately lost its title uh, gave this guy a chance, and he has taken that program and turned him around. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Dan Friend, head coach at Lewis University for the men's team.
16: Well, Jay, thanks for having me on, Burnett. Thanks for having me on. I Appreciate it. So uh, good seeing you guys out here, and uh, it's always a nice venue to come out and see a lot of coaches and friends and all that stuff. So it's good. Awesome.
0: So. Yeah, we need a little preview of what's coming up because the men's season just about to get underway. Coming up after this in January, early January, gonna be what the UC Santa Barbara tournament. Are you guys coming out for that?
16: We are coming out for that. So we get uh UC San Diego, our first round right there. So that'll be exciting, and then. Big, uh UCLA there, Irvine's there. You got Cal Baptist. Uh, Loyola's coming out there, so it'll be a good little venue to see uh, those eight teams and how they do and how they fare with that. And then uh, we actually had to BYU after that, which uh, that'll be good. So
0: the interconnected web of volleyball in the volleyball world has CEO of USA Volleyball Doug Beal's son on Ohio State's team. I was asking him if they were going to win the MIVA. I actually, mentioned your team as a little bit of competition. I'd like to think we're a little bit of competition. <laughs> or a uh, lot bit of competition. Uh, so,
16: uh, we do return uh, four starters from that group that made it last year, so I'd like to say we're going to be uh, kind of in their way. Do you know what I mean? So.
0: All right, what direction is, is men's volleyball heading? I was having a conversation with Kathy DeVore earlier today about the growth of the game and, and well, where the men's game is at. It seems like it's a little stagnant compared to the women's side.
16: It It, it is, but at the same time, you're seeing a lot of growth at Division two. Uh, there's a lot of NAI schools that are moving to the NCAA ranks, and a lot of them are going to that NCAA Division II. Uh, you're seeing a lot of men's volleyball programs added in. Lindenwood just went Division II. Cal Baptist, NAI, Powerhouse just went Division II. Uh, there's you know these schools that are popping up and kind of increasing that. I think you're going to see there's – Correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, but there's twenty one division one programs right division now? Division one yeah. programs. Which is yeah. which yeah. is
0: fewer than there were ten years ago, but it's basically the same stagnant basically number. The same. It's twenty four, I think, ten years ago. They're hanging on.
16: Division two has increased by thirteen in the past five years.
0: Yeah. It's huge.
16: Huge. Yeah. So you're up to sixteen or eighteen. I think you're gonna see that double. Uh, so there is some growth, but Probably not where we need it in the sense of that Division one status right now it's great that we're getting growth in Division two because you've seen it blown up in Division three already, so but it's got to start somewhere and so maybe by going through the Division two that'll help us expand the bracket. We had a great meeting earlier where there's a new NCA liaison and he's talking about you know the possibility of us being able just to go to six or make that move or
0: something happen and you Please. know
16: and anything like please. that would be great. And maybe if Division Two helps that process, that's
0: a good thing. Yeah, so. I'm tired of these East Coast and Midwest schools getting automatic bids. It's, uh, <laughs> it's oh jeez, are
8: we going to go there again? <laughs> no, no, we're not. not. I got we're heated, heated hey, earlier about hey, that. Hey, you hey, know, but, but but here's the, I think the beauty of 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 what you're saying, Dan, is you know there is a large growth of Division Two teams starting in the. the I think the. The, the unfortunate thing is is that there's schools that, unfortunately, people do not hear every day. It's not the BCS school that you're hearing, and I think that's a challenge. But that's a challenge that doesn't phase them at all. You know, you guys have thrived. Uh, you know, Cal Baptist is thriving. And there's these Conference Carolina teams, although they're you know, names like Pfeiffer and Coker and things of that nature, that doesn't seem to matter. That's almost a chip on their shoulder, if you would. What, what, what's your take on that?
16: Well, I think we're a role model for those guys. Do you know what I mean? I think they see, hey, Lewis can do it. Uh, Lewis can compete with these teams at that level, and they've been doing it for a while. Uh, and hopefully, that opens those doors for some of those teams. I think you know, try to help promote that, play those teams, give them a game here or there, and kind of you know build on that process what they're trying to do. And I think that's what we are. We're at that forefront of saying, hey, this is what you can do. You can be a Division Two and compete for that championship. Do you know what I mean? And so and the rules
8: are a little bit more relaxed at Division Two, so that because you're at a school that maybe doesn't have the big name brand. You can pull in a player that maybe has some different uh some different qualifications than your average division one team, which is a little bit more hampered by NCAA. A little more experience
0: somewhere perhaps.
8: Yeah, yeah, you know, that may be the truth. But but what that does is that gives the D two school
16: a chance to compete at the highest level. It does. And there's a couple of quirky rules, like division twos can have tryouts, you know, yeah. I mean, division ones can't do that. We can still travel four hundred miles, division ones can't do that. Right. So, there are all these little bitty you know, rules that you can take advantage to kind of close that big name gap, right. you know what I mean? Right. So, and you're still allowed four and a half scholarships. We're still allowed four and a half, so we're all in that even playing field in the sense of bringing guys in. Absolutely,
8: so. absolutely. So, so where is where's the next step for, uh, let's say, uh, you're an AD and you're at a school that maybe, you know, how, how should they look, go about maybe adding a program or, start, or changing their program from NAIA to Division II? What, w- what
16: would a thought be? Well, I think the thought is that the athletic department as a whole, that's a process that they have to want to go to. Do you know what I mean? So it becomes a funding issue in the sense of those athletic departments. But I think on the men's side of adding that, you know, that you know about the grant program with USA, and that's a great thing to be able to do. Uh, and I think you got to be able to, like, me facilitating conversations with other schools and the conference that we're affiliated with, like the Great Lakes Conference, you know, and we're having another team, McKendree, that's going to add it in. Do you know what I mean? But, Trying to dialogue that with those volleyball coaches in that conference about, hey, maybe you can add this sport and kind of help with that growth. And then having an open door policy with helping, you know, I've already told some of those coaches, like, hey, if you need any help, let me know, you know. And so, so, you,
8: and, and talk about this for a second because I thought this was a brilliant idea. You and Loyola had a match this fall and you played at the University of Illinois. And I know Kevin Hambley was part of this whole thing and setting this up. What a great opportunity for that AD to see what really goes on with men's volleyball. I know that the crowd wasn't necessarily there for you, per se, but they stuck around a little bit and watched some volleyball being played.
16: It was pretty awesome. I mean, they had a pretty much sellout crowd. It was the Illinois-Nebraska game. It was on ESPN. Huge. Uh, So that was a huge game for them. And so Kevin approached me about that during the summer, and I thought it was a great idea. I mean, I've been friends for a while. It's like I talked to Shane. Shane says, hey, I'm in, No problem. You know, but to promote that with two of the premier men's volleyball programs in the country, in that state, and let that AD see that, and let those people, and they have great volleyball fans down there. So it was just a great product to sell. We played five games, had a lot of people stick around, had some good dialogue with some people afterwards. So
8: so dialogue you're talking about, was that dialogue with some people in positions of power that are saying, hey, we're, we're looking at it, we're not sure?
16: It really wasn't there. I think that's more probably on Kevin's side, if there okay. was, happened to be some of that dialogue. But... His ad liked it. There was he told me those things. I mean, our dialogue was more with the fans and the people around, cool. but you know, and that was still good. So awesome!
8: That's awesome to hear.
0: We've been talking to a lot of different people at this at this convention in this show. We've had volleyball Hall of Fame, we've had women's coaches, we've had uh, different healing folks in here. We've had you know, the magazine folks have been wandering by. I just saw Danley Corso of Sand. I mean, you're coming from the men's game. Why come to this convention?
16: Uh, I think a lot of it's about. One promoting men's volleyball. I, I think I got to support what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? And you know the AVCA has continued to grow in that department. And I think I've got to represent men's volleyball. I need to represent the MIVA. We get a few MIVA coaches that come out here, uh, but I've been coming to this thing for 15 years ever since I've been involved with volleyball. So uh, at the same time, it's a great opportunity to network with other coaches, bounce ideas off. You know there are some sessions that are geared towards the guys, but there's not a lot. Uh, but it's still a great opportunity for me to sit down and have dialogue with this coach. You know I had. I had dialogue with Jay at different times, you know, things like that, just so that you're making yourself better. You're challenging your volleyball IQ. I think that stuff's really important. So, Plus my wife comes, and we like to hang out, so it's good. Do you understand? There's yeah. a
0: good social scene so. going on, definitely. All right, Dan Friend, Lewis University. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for sitting in. All right, good luck this Dan season. Dan Friend
16: and and
8: head coach of the men's team at Lewis. His wife is the head coach of the women's team, and that's a uh, that's a nice little package deal that you can get. So good on that AD for thinking smart there.
0: Yeah, that is a nice little yeah. package deal. And there is Dan Mickel, along Look with at that his, uh, smoking mustache, right facial there. hair. That's well done, my friend. Wow. All right. Well, somebody dropped off a pair of shorts for me, so I'm all set for this sitting match. You're in. I've, I've got Is my it you and me versus Katie? It's just us two versus their whole team. Oh, oh man. I'm excited <laughs> about this. It's going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be really fun. Well, hey, we, the big thanks to Spire Institute, to Volleyball Magazine, to the AVCA for having us here. This has been a whole bunch of fun doing this show as it usually is. Thanks to everyone who came on, from, from Jen Fry to Hugh McCutcheon, Dan Friend, everyone who sat in and uh, spent a few minutes with us you get a feel for the number of people that are here. Terry Laskavage walking by right now, head coach at Oregon State University. He's just cruising by. I mean, the people that are here are everyone who's anyone in this sport, from the governing body to the universities to the clubs to the manufacturers and, and sponsors to the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's just it's amazing everyone that's that's present. So you get a chance to come, come. I don't even know where it is next year. Uh, next year it'll be in Seattle. Ooh. The dates will be December twentieth, twenty
8: first, nineteenth uh, through the twenty first. It's a little bit late in All the month. Right. It's unfortunate, but it'll be in Seattle. It Should be an awesome time. If you ever been to Seattle, I love that city. It's a
0: fun place to be. So I, I can't wait to go to Market up there. Yeah,
8: yeah. no kidding. Go go to the Pikes and, Underground uh, Seattle and Pikes. Yeah, oh. get some real uh, some real Starbucks coffee up there. It'll be a good time.
0: All right, yeah. Fish coming. Watch out! We're going for. We're going for. We're going for. <laughs> <laughs> So, Oregon may take it. We'll see if my uh, prediction from the original 64 does it. But they defeated Penn State and Texas defeated Michigan. Going to be a first time national champion.
12: Six this year.
0: defenders, no blockers. That's Six defenders, call. no blockers. Jim it's Moore, where win. That's why I'm not listening. coaching at that level. We'll have a net live, another one for you on Monday, reviewing uh, probably semis and finals. We'll go through it all. We'll have Kelly Tennant in studio. I believe uh, Chris McGee will be there as well and DJ Roche. So, we're looking forward to yet another. Net Live, We sure appreciate you guys tuning in here today. We're going to just sign off with a little silence because we missed DJ Rocher. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for catching this podcast. We at the Net Live. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. See ya.